Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 244. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, where's Connor? Thankfully, not here. <laughs> uh, first now I've been to Superman and he had to work. <laughs> this is the first time we've read an issue of Superman in like two <laughs> years. Maybe more yeah. than that. Yeah, he, he, he was forced to read action. That's true. But he hadn't read Superman, so uh, yeah. Oh boy. But yeah, uh, it's a DC Comics podcast. We talk about DC Comics every week. We get together, we've read our books, and we'll talk about them. I mean, obviously, we're in the first month of Infinite Frontier, so there's a lot of kind of firsts, or even if it's not a new run, a lot of kind of like, okay, new starting points, new kind of jumping off points for some of these books. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we do have some news, of course, but the books we'll be talking about is Superman 29, the start of the, 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 the proper start of the Philip Kennedy Johnson run on Superman. Uh, we have Wonder Woman 770, the start of Becky Clooney and Michael Conrad's run. Uh, we have the Joker issue one, the start of the new James Tynan book, which is actually a, a Jim Gordon book, but more on that later. Uh, we also have Batman Urban Legends issue one, the new anthology Gotham book, uh, telling a variety of stories from different uh, Bat-related characters. And some that aren't really that Bat-related, they just happen to be in Gotham, but mm-hmm. more on that. And then Rorschach issue six to round out the week. So that's what's coming up on today's show. Hopefully you'll have fun. Yeah. More fun than Connor, who's not here. Yeah, well, who's, at least he's getting a paycheck. <laughs> you know? He'll be here. You know, at least he's he's getting paid. And I'll be getting paid with time without Connor. Which yeah, is... That's, I mean, you could look at it that way. Some would say it's the sweetest pay of all. <laughs> uh, no, we'll have to have a... Day since CR twenty one outbreak, <laughs> <laughs> we're at one now. He's away getting a transplant because uh, he wants to be Connor again. You know, he's, he's not happy with Conroe, so he's, Conroe. he's away getting a transplant to become Connor once more. Yeah. Uh, he's getting an R put in <laughs> or transposed. <laughs> uh, they need to put it through his heart, though. They're having trouble finding it. So if they ever do, yeah. uh, they'll <laughs> they'll accomplish it. He'll be back. <laughs> Oh boy! I mean, were you expecting anything less than just like you know a few solid minutes of making fun of Connor at the start of this episode? Yeah, but I didn't expect the the you know soulless, yes, heartless. Mm, you know, well, he's not a machine. I can't make fun of his lever. That's already gone. <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> always one of my favorite Simpsons bits is where. Uh, an ambulance is transporting a liver and it crashes and it flies across and Barney Gumble, the town drunk, looks down. He goes, oh, not so fast. <laughs> and he grabs it and puts it back into his shirt. Uh, I think of Connor now. I, I should everyone. I should everyone. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, I, I was actually shocked that we did not have solicits to talk about this week. Uh, partly because they've typically been ready for our second episode in the month for a while until last month. Last month was the first time it, we had to wait till the third week. Uh, but more specifically because there was a lot of news on the run-up to Friday, and normally what they do is they'll, they'll reveal some of the new stuff and individual news stories, and then the solicitors will hit on the Friday. So I was very surprised to see that nothing dropped yesterday because there actually was quite a bit of, a bit of news this week for mm-hmm. June's uh, solicitors. So next week we'll definitely have solicitors then. Uh, and we'll talk, go through them in depth and any other new stuff to make. But it, it makes me wonder, though, is there bigger stuff to announce next week? This is what we're getting all this sort of the, the lower key stuff this week. I don't know. Yeah, there's some pretty big stuff this week. 
So I can't imagine a topping, but who knows with DC anymore? They're constantly pulling stuff, you know. Yeah. The no one was expecting. Yeah, that so. Lobdell Connor Kent book, I'm sure, will be announced next week. You don't say that. <laughs> that already happened. Yeah, but that was like a false start. This is going to be a proper run, like like he's read to. It. It's going to be a hundred yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah, you don't say that. <laughs> it's going to be called uh, uh, Super Hood and the Outlaws. That joke wasn't funny this week. I just want you to know. <laughs> I, I know what you I know what you were trying. I did not fall for it. Um, are you? I did not vote. Yeah, you. Matt is referring to my my Twitter poll uh, during the week. I was just asking what people thought of Connor Kent. Uh, for the record, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the answer who won. Uh, by fifty-seven percent, uh, beating out um, what was the other option? There was another joke option. I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, red, you, you said, "Is he the red?" Is that red hood? Yes, yes. That that got like forty-three percent. Uh, so you know, uh, at, at yeah. Wibble eighty nine on Twitter, if you want more uh, exciting polls and surveys uh, from time <laughs> to time. <laughs> uh, oh boy! All right, so. Kick it off with the news, someone who doesn't have a book but is getting an 80-page, uh, sorry, 100-page, 80-year anniversary, oh. super spectacular, uh, which is not, I mean, technically the Joker didn't have a book when he got his either, so I suppose it's not that uh, unusual, but uh, he is a villain, whereas Green Arrow, on the other hand, uh, we typically would expect to have a book, but he hasn't had one since 2019, uh, so yeah. maybe this will be a teasing, uh, a future thing, because... I think one of the things that stuck out about a lot of those other anthology specials is that usually one of the stories was there to set up where things were going with the character. Maybe there just won't be that in this case, but uh, in June we're getting a 100-page Green Arrow Super Spectacular for his 80th anniversary with a host of creators, as, you as, as you'd imagine. Um, I'll read out here what they've said. The oversized anniversary issue falls in the footsteps combining an all-star lineup of Green Arrow storytelling legends such as Mike Grell, who you'd expect, Jeff Lemire, Phil okay. Hester, Otto Schmidt, Ben Percy, Tom Taylor, Devin Grayson, uh, alongside new Green Arrow contributors Stephanie Phillips, Mariko Tamaki, Ram V, Vita Lea, Nicholas Scott, Chris Mitten, Laura Braga, Max Famura, and Brandon Thomas, as well as some others. Uh, obviously, they mixed the artists and the writers up in there. That was, that was a hodgepodge yeah. of names all thrown together. A lot of names that we like in there, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, especially Tom Taylor. Um... I haven't seen too many Arrow stuff with him. You know, we, we've we gotten, like, outside of Deceased. Yeah, Deceased is the right? big one, because there was a lot of Green Arrow and Black Canary stuff early on. And Yeah. But, like, as far as playing with those characters, he's been pretty, you know, isolated to certain sections. Like, there was no Arrow characters in Suicide Squad. So, um, yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, especially as a longtime Green Arrow fan. Like it sucks he hasn't had a book for a while. Yeah, like, obviously, we got a little tired of these last year because they were sort of throwing them out a bit too frequently. And too it, was, it, was, it was worse Willy It Willy? was worse as well because they all got delayed and then we got three of them in one month. I do mm -hmm. think this feels a bit more special, A, because we haven't had one in a while, but also because the character in question doesn't have a book and we feel like he probably should have a book. Mm -hmm. So I think we're a bit more welcoming of this news, uh, regardless of it being a 100-page book that we need to throw into whatever week it happens to land on but uh then he comes out the last week so that might be if let me check a lot of good names uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh Green Arrow's first appearance for those who are curious was in 1941 
in More Fun Comics issue 73. Try and note that down for your trivia, because if you'd asked me where Green Arrow's first appearance was, there was no way I was ever pulling More Fun Comics 73 out of my ass. No. Uh, so, that is cool. But yeah, um, so I looked and it is the fifth Tuesday, and there's actually oh, so five th- Wednesdays there too. So it's probably good. dropping on that fifth week. Because uh, I think it's the 29th, right? Uh, that, yeah, that's right, yeah. So, June 29th, yeah. So... That'll be good. That's good. 100 pages is fine on a fifth as, week. As a, yeah, a couple of... A 100-page book and a 60-page book on a, on a fifth week is perfectly fine. Right. Uh, That's like six regular books. Yes. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're doing uh, the variants for each decade, like they did with all these other specials. Uh, we have the, the list of artists here for these variants. 40s is Michael Cho. 50s is Daniel Warren Johnson. 60s is Neil Adams. 70s is Derek True. 80s is Gary Frank. 90s is Howard Porter. 2000s is Jen Bertel, and the 10, sorry, is Simone DiMeo. Uh, it's weird that uh, Grell's not doing <laughs> like the 80s or 90s one. Yeah, but, but maybe it's because he was focused on the art. He'll probably be doing an art by, written by. True, true. In the, in the special. Yeah. So maybe that's that's why he passed it. Um, a, a Gary Frank 80s, like Longbow Hunter era, though, type of Green Arrow with Canary, you'd assume? Probably very possibly. Really um, I think Jen Bartels could be interesting. Uh, I expect a sort mm-hmm. of neon color scheme on top yeah. of the green, perhaps. Less less pastel that she's kind of known for. More no more of the you know vivid greens. I would assume. Hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's also the arrow corner feels reinvigorated right now with how uh, the story in Infinite Frontier went. Right, last week. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's maybe uh, the consolation is they're going to be main characters in Justice League, uh, mm-hmm. primarily. So, I guess that's where we're going to be looking at them. So at least they're in something because I, I think I think it was true for a while yeah. where there was no Green Arrow book and then Green Arrow just wasn't really in anything either. It wasn't really on any team books, at least on a permanent was, basis. Yes, even during the the New Fifty Two, like there was a book, but it would like. It was constantly going through like re not rebrandings but reimaginings. Mm-hmm. You know, they tried to make it close to the show. And then Lemire and Sorrentino came in and did, you know, their whole thing, which is one of my favorite runs of all time. Uh and then you know, I don't say wallowed, but like after Lemire, it, it was Beer Ben Piercy or blah, 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 blah. Ben Percy. And like it was low-key good, but it wasn't doing anything like major. And then Percy, of course, took it over. Um, so it was been pretty consistent. So it's weird, like that we've we've been so long without it now. You know when uh when Ben Percy's over his prime, you can call him has been Percy because he almost said that. <laughs> uh, not that I think he's yeah. at that stage for the record. Uh, obviously, he's not been doing so much DC stuff no. uh, right now. But no. um, the the little bit of his Wolverine story that I read that was quite good. So um, he's yeah. still going strong. Uh, so that's Green Arrow, hundred page. Uh, 80th anniversary special mm-hmm. coming in June. Um, next up, something we have been waiting on, and this also includes uh, Green Arrow, actually, and this is uh, Leviathan Checkmate. After a full year of waiting, when we first had that solicit, because the solicit, it, it was for just after when the break would have been, although when it was solicited, they didn't know there was going to be a break, admittedly, but mm-hmm. uh, it's finally back on schedule. It's back on the solicits for June, apparently. So, there's some... Uh, Excited for it. I mean, Dennis Maliev doing, you know, mm-hmm. seeming like espionage stuff. It's 
right up the alley. We were we were talking about Malieve, you know, what what's he up to right now? And this <laughs> a week later answered that. Yeah, that's just I'm article mentions that Talia is now a member of the totality, and maybe that'll conflict with whatever the because she was actually in Leviathan originally. Uh, maybe Bendis right. has reworked that to just make that fit. I don't know, but well, didn't know. I'm... She kind of helped start Leviathan by accident, right? Didn't they kind of come over and overrun the the league, and that's what led her, with her and Lois kind of you know clashing in the pages of Leviathan, if I remember right. Um, but yeah, her's a member of the totality now and all of that stuff. I think it's. I'm excited for this. Whatever it means. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, neat. Um, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a new variant cover. In fact, I even think the regular cover's new as well, actually. Uh, and the, mm-hmm. the main cover is quite pretty. So I line up the, the team of detectives with a, a sort of glowing Superman and the, and the shadows behind them. And, but Lois yeah. is chitting on a pawn on a chessboard. So very pretty. Yeah. Very, very pretty. It's uh, seemingly this might be a Lois Lane book. Like in secret, and I'm not mad about that. <laughs> of course, you're not mad about that. Why would Why would you be mad about that? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, so there you go. Just a figure speech. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. Uh, so that's Leviathan Checkmate. Before we move on, I'm going to throw it in here randomly so people hear it. Make sure you vote in the top 50 DC characters of all time. We're celebrating our 250th episode next month by having a special vote. You can vote all throughout March. The deadline is the first of April. And you'll get the link to the submission in the description of the video or the audio podcast. I've been tweeting it on at DC Comics Podcast. Uh, feel free to ask us on at DC Comics Podcast. If you if you want the link, just ask for it and we'll we'll provide it. Uh, but you have to put a top twenty DC characters. Just make sure you specify who you mean. You know exactly. Uh, yeah. Just putting the Flash doesn't really tell me if it's Barry Allen, Wally West, whoever. So you know, given if you're going to vote at a, a top fifty DC characters, you probably understand yeah. the difference and care about making it clear yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it could be bart allen too he was flash sure, for a hot sure, second sure. so yeah or jay garrick you know like yeah. many mantles of the flash so i uh, make sure you do that you got until the end of the month so put that in here and okay alpha i'll admit i forgot to say it before we started the news but i thought i don't want to leave it till the end when people have started to tune out i'm, I'm going to throw it in randomly yeah. and make people hear it <laughs> i mean that that's the best way to do it yes. you know so yeah. next up uh we have a new uh, i assume this is black label image yeah it's black label uh a new batman book with garth ennis and liam sharp uh a new mm-hmm. bat kind of horror book almost with a a new reptilian villain so i'll read the uh the description here this is a batman reptilic sorry rap, batman i was gonna say reptilian uh batman reptilian uh <laughs> Is that is that a, uh, a a reptile that doesn't know it's a reptile? Is that is that what that is? Nah, I don't know if it's a, a dumb movie or something, but there's the I didn't make uh, up the word reptilian. It's from something. Right, but it sounds like you're saying like replicate and, okay. and reptilian uh, together. That, that's the joke I was uh, going for. It's always funnier when you have to explain it. <laughs> so, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I thought uh, the cover for this is quite nice. It's like the close-up of like a lizard's eye with the mm-hmm. bat symbol in the eye. So you don't get mm-hmm. a good look of what this thing's going to look like. But uh, here's the description they've put out. Gotham City is filled with murderous creatures who stalk the shadows. Filled villains with murderous impulses who strike fear into the hearts of every man, woman, and child in the city. But what strikes fear into the hearts of those who terrorize the city? Reads DC synopsis of Batman Reptilian number one. 
It used to be Batman, but something far more frightening than a mere man has begun stalking the shadows and it's after Gotham's villains. How savage must a monster be to haunt the dreams of monsters? Uh, and there's a page of art here as well, uh, which is, is looks like a proper cool horror book, honestly. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty pumped for this. I, I think this is a... And I know... Connor's not here. Connor would probably like it to be made clear that he thinks Garth Ennis is mediocre, so he's not that excited about this. He's annoyed that Liam Sharp's yeah. been saddled with him. I, I, I have enjoyed. I've been reading uh, his TKO book, Sarah, uh, and I, I thought mm-hmm. that's been solid. Um, I liked what I read of Preacher. I read the first like hardcover of that. So I'm not anti Ennis. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm anti Ennis, but I do think that. Sometimes Ennis leans on shock value a little bit too hard. I've heard I've heard that you about know? the boys. I've heard people say the boys' TV show is better than the comic because the 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 show yeah. isn't just about the shock it's, value; it's got a lot more heart. But yeah, and so like just myself, I just I remember hearing his Punisher run run was like legendary, mm-hmm. um, and like that's kind of what he was meant for. This seems more towards that. You know, yeah. And, uh, I I think horror can have a lot of shock value and and thrive on it, uh, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the idea of a lizard monster in the sewers that you know that isn't croc. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of neat, 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 neat idea. But this this is full R rated. They're calling it. You know, not that comics get rated yeah. like movies do, but you know what I mean. Has Has Ennis ever properly worked on Batman? I know? feel. I want to say he has. I want to say he's done something Batman-y okay. at some point, but I, I might just be pulling that out my ass. But it sounds familiar. Because I, I know back in the late 90s, he had Hitman, who was based in Gotham. But I don't know if he's actually done Batman proper. You know? I believe, yeah, hold on. Something did come up when I googled this. Uh, let's mm-hmm. have a look at this. Uh, oh, that's Azarello. What, what? Google, why are you showing me an Azarello book? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Um... Yeah, you know it. Uh, I, I'm somewhat pumped. I'm, I'm just going to use bibliography in Wikipedia. I'll, I'll, I'll control F and see what there we get go. here. Uh, there you go. Um, but yeah, no, I like you know we all know I love monsters. So monsters and Gotham go to hand in hand. So um, a new one, you know, that might be around Croc or whatever. I think that's pretty cool. And if he can work in Slaughter Swamp and. All that type of stuff too. So according to his then, Wikipedia, the, right- the only Batman story he's really done was a three-issue arc in Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, 91 to 93. It was called Freak Out in 1997. So it wasn't much, and it was a long-ass time ago. So There you go, then. Intrigued. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. No. I-, I like the-, the the preview page. It looks different than what I expect from Sharp as well, because the colouring the- is-, is very different. It's- yeah. It doesn't seem as intricate. Like like some of his other stuff, like we saw in Green Lantern or in the Brave and the Bold, you know, Wonder Woman story. Mm. But it's heavily shadowed, which, you know, perfect for something like that. Yeah, I, I think this is a case of, like, him and maybe, like, the colors and inkers, like, it, basically realizing this is a different type of book. This should be more horror-esque. This should be... Yes, mm-hmm. this should have a different feel to it. And I, I actually really appreciate yeah. that, because it's... Uh, sometimes you don't get... Yeah. And, and you said this is six issue, six right? Six issue miniseries, yeah. So, contained yeah, story. Should be good. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, okay. So, moving on. Uh, Wonder Woman is getting uh, a, a color-themed 
book. Like, Batman's got mm-hmm. black and white, Superman's got red and blue. Wonder Woman now has black and gold uh, as her colors. So, um, yeah, so this is obviously coming. This is actually to celebrate our 80th anniversary. So just be glad that we're not getting another 100-page Wonder Woman book uh, like we did for issue 750. Because they could have totally done it. They could have mm-hmm. said, this is our 80th, even though it's only, you know, two right. years after the other one. Or right. has it even been two years? Was that early last year? It may have been. Was it like January, February last year? It may have been. Yeah, it had to have been because, remember, it had that story from Snyder. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That teased the JSA. And so and then, then we went to break and we didn't know what was going on with that. So... Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give them credit for restraining themselves a little bit then by not giving her another one. Because <laughs> they could have. Yes! They could have. So this is coming out on June 22nd, limited series. And it's, you know, again, much like the other ones, it's all going to be in uh, just the two tones, right? Uh, or, more mm-hmm. accurately, black and white with gold. So, so, we, so yeah, so we have Batman black mm-hmm. and white, Superman red and blue, and now Wonder Woman black and yes. gold. So... Makes me wonder if they're saving the red and whatever for for Flash. She would assume Flash would be the next one. Red uh, and gold, I guess. Oh, we maybe. also. Have... I mean, they already did have a yeah, Harley black and red. red, or red and black. Whatever right, we were it was. It was. I think it was black, white, and red. Right. That was like the because oh, it was playing off of her costume. Ah, right, makes sense. So, yeah. Um. And obviously, green and black could be green out, green lantern. <laughs> right. <laughs> you wanted to do one right. of those. Um, it's going to be six issues, though, uh, and much like the others, it's going to obviously have a uh, you know different stories in it. It's a forty-page first issue. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Do, do we have creative team for the first issue or no? uh, First issue is a story by writer John uh, Arcudi and artist Ryan Sook. So there okay. you go. Um. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, also, writer uh, sorry, a- uh, AJ Mendez Brooks. Oh wait, oh, yeah, AJ, <laughs> AJ Lee. <Ooh>. Hey, <laughs> just, do you know what? I read? You got my attention. I read that name, and it took me a second to click. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, my my nerdy mind. Uh, <laughs> former favorite wrestler. Yes. <laughs> former favorite uh, lady wrestler. Of course. It, it rang a, a bell. That's that's cool. Yeah, so she's working with artist um, Ming Doyle uh, on a story as well. Okay. Yeah. I think I think Ming Doyle worked with Punk on something over at Marvel because hmm. uh, Punk had done a story in Thor in one of the the Thor specials. That was pretty good. Uh, that might have been a different artist, though. I'm not. Don't quote me on that, yeah. listeners. And then the uh, third yeah. uh, team for the first issue is Nadia. Shamas and artist Morgan Beam. Hmm. So, those are teams. Well, I was already excited for this, but I never clicked on it. I just saw, oh, cool. You know, they're doing a... Yeah, a at this point, there's such book. a known quantity because we have, you know, black and white established the format and mm-hmm. then, you know, Superman and right. Harley kind of continued it. And... Yeah. Um. So now, like, you know, AJ <laughs> is, <laughs> is doing a story. And, like... Of course, I'm gonna pick it there up. There was now. just there was a like, as if I wasn't. There was just a weird sort of moment where my brain just like, like, took in what oh. I just read. I was like, Adrian Mendez Brooks, because uh, yeah. I, I think in my head I went, oh, I don't know who that is, and I went, well, wait, wait, actually, no, I do know who that is. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, when, when you know her as AJ Lee forever. Well, know, I, I think like, it's more just because she's not a comic writer. So, uh, you know, I, I, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, wait, that doesn't ring any comic book names or, or yeah. bells. You know, I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not thinking of anyone. And I was like, oh, wait, no, I don't know who that is. She's just not associated with comics. Does, does it have her listed as, as April Mendez Brooks or does it have had it listed as... No, it's just AJ. I, I, got, I, I sort of leaned in okay. to check that it was AJ, though, because uh, the, the J right. is like unnaturally close to the A, so it looked kind of like it might be Al. Right. <laughs> for all in AJ, right. but yeah. There you go. Uh, oh, there you go. That's cool. Well, that's cheered, Matt. That's, that's, that's made cool. Matt's day. <laughs> it that did. I mean, I already was gonna check it out, right? But mm. that that definitely uh, drove it home. I wasn't sure you would like her that much. I thought you may be jealous that she gets to sleep with CM Punk every night. No, no, no. It, you know, je- jealous both because sides. Because you want to snuggle right? with CM Punk like, is, is the implication I'm trying to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know. They're, uh, the, the, the more Punk gets away from wrestling, the, the less he's, you know, I still appreciate everything he's mm. done, right? But, like, you know, other people pop up. So, um, he's still great, though. Him, uh, him having hot takes on Twitter and whatnot, and him announcing last week that he's not the big signing because he's going to be watching the Blackhawks game that Sunday. That just cracked me up. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we have another special coming in June. Uh, this is the DC Pride special. Uh, they've done another 80 page mm-hmm. book uh, with uh, various, you know, creators, LBG2, uh, L- LGBT, LBG2, that's a sequel. That's a sequel to yes. LGBT. LGBTQ uh, creators, um, anthology stories, uh, you know, uh, we got a Batwoman story. Uh, by James Tyen the Fourth and Trung Lee Wynn. Uh, we get Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn by Mariko Tamaki and Amy Reader. Midnighter by Steve Orlando and Stephen Byrne. So and obviously Orlando's okay. been heavily ta- attached to that character for you know forever. Yes. Uh, yeah. Fla- it's almost Orlando's character. Yeah. Like. You yeah. Know. Flash Earth Eleven uh, by Danny Lore and Lisa Sterl. Uh, Green Lantern, which is Alan Scott for the record, which it makes sense. Yes. Uh, uh, Oh, and Obsidian. I mentioned and Obsidian. Uh, by Sam Johns and Klaus Janssen. Yeah. Uh, Aqualad by Andrew Wheeler and Luciano uh, Vecchio. Uh, apologies if I'm butchering out of these names. I'm doing my best. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dreamer by Nicole Maines and Rachel Starr. And that's notable because uh, Nicole Maines is the actor yes. who plays Dreamer on Supergirls. So that's Dreamer. neat. Yeah. Uh, Renee Montoya by Vitaly Alea and Skylar Partridge. And Pied Paper by Cena Grace, uh, Rose Stein and Ted Brandt. So uh, that is your list of stories and creators mm. uh, for for the uh, one shot. Uh, and you went along with this announcement to also mention that Crush and Lobo are getting a new book as well. Uh, so. Which we kind of we kind of already knew that, right? That was in the mm. the 10 that were announced. Yeah, we knew that, but I think this is the first time since that official. a list. I mean, that was official because it was their right. list. It wasn't like it leaked, but no, no, uh, I know, but this has an like actual, like, listing of it, you know what I mean? Like, with this, so... Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't know anything about this special, so, no? you know, uh, that's pretty cool that they're doing this. A lot of good creative teams, a lot of fun characters uh, that should get the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, like, Pied Piper, I haven't read a Pied Piper story in... It's been a while, right? Because Piper didn't even really show up in Williamson's Flash. Nah, I think the last. I mean, I, I mean, he popped up in yeah. an issue of Flash that I did for previously uh, this week. Yeah. But that, obviously, that's an old Mark Wade issue. Um, 
Yeah, there's going to be a forward by Mark and Draco, uh, who also worked on Love is Love, which was the other Pride. That, that wasn't just a DC mm-hmm. thing, that was kind of a more industry-wide thing. It, it was a... Yeah, it was, you know, one of those specials where they pulled, a, you know, the companies pulled together to do Yeah, it was something. after the mass shooting. That, that was to... Uh, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, nice call back to that. They're also doing a bunch of uh, Pride variants, because obviously during... Uh, they're celebrating Pride, so they're, they've got, uh, like, Batman 109's got a Jen, Jen Bartel cover, Crushing Lobo issue 1's got a Yoshi Yoshitani cover, um, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a whole other list. I won't read them all, but there's a bunch of variants coming as well, so, yeah. Cool. Me. Um, so, that is a thing. Uh, there's a, one of the covers, uh, yeah, Harley Quinn 4's got a Harley and Ivy covers. There's an image of it. I don't know if you've seen that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that in the Gotham because uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it I have some feelings. Okay, I'm sure you do have feelings. I'm sure you do have feelings. Uh, next up, so that's why that's one was exciting for me uh, because obviously we we were mostly really big fans of the Hell House part of Black Label, and we don't have a Hell House book, but we have something that feels akin to it because we have a new horror book coming from Black Label. From James Tynion the Fourth with Alvaro Martinez, who of course worked with uh, Tynion a lot of his his detective and and mm-hmm. so on. Um, so this is uh, called the Nice House on the Lake, and the cover is delightful. It's like a head coming up through water, but the skeletons all around the waters. It, it it's very poltergeist. Yes. Uh, really really cool stuff. So this is a a six issue mini series, black label book. Uh, so. And I don't. I'm excited for these black label books in some ways because it is nice to have like DC stuff that isn't just the DC characters. It's nice to just sort of do some more kind of mm-hmm. interesting original stories here. So yeah, it all begins with a nice house on the lake. Everyone who was invited to the house knows Walter. Well, they know him a little anyway. Some met him in childhood. Some met him months ago. And Walter's always been a little off. But after the hardest year of their lives, no. Nobody was going to turn down Walter's invitation to an astonishingly beautiful house in the woods overlooking the enormous uh, Sylvan Lake. It's beautiful, it's opulent, it's private. So a week of putting up with Walter's weird little schemes and nicknames in exchange for the vacation of a lifetime? Why not? All of them were at the moment <laughs> in, in their lives where they could feel themselves pulling away from their other friends. Wouldn't, wouldn't a chance to reconnect be nice? Wouldn't an escape from the horrors of everyday lives be idyllic? Would you accept this invitation from one of your oldest friends? Uh, and that that's the uh, description. That's the, the sort of the teaser text for the first issue. It, mind you, I haven't seen What About Bob since, you know, probably it came out. This sounds like a horror version of that. Oh, actually, I... Like, this is a sorry, person... I, I, you don't want to be around. I just want to correct myself. It's not a six yeah. issue, it's a twelve issue yes. miniseries. Apologies. Ooh, ooh. Look at double, double. Yeah, the this fun. is June first. Yeah. Obviously, we've been we've been pretty big fans of Tynion for the most part in this show. So yeah. Well, he's had something's killing the children. That it's a book I want to get into, but I've already made promises to other people to read other books first. <laughs> uh, hence why, hence why I bought Once in Future this week and had to order these Savage Shores. Because my shop didn't have it in, so, uh, but something <laughs> killing the children might be after that. I finished Fatal, by the way, which I don't know if you've read all of Pete, but nah. I think think you might dig parts of it. I read the first few um, issues, and I kind of t- had a hard time remembering anything from previous yeah, issues. Yeah, it gets towards the uh, towards the fourth and fifth, 
it, it kind of rounds more into the horror side of things. So, but, uh, but yeah, uh, this sounds interesting. Like, I don't know exactly what to expect, but again, I was getting from that description, kind of like, what about Bob? But if it was a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, so, twelve issue many horses. Uh, Titan the fourth. Alvino Martinez. And I should also mention Jordi Belair's name is on that cover as well. I presume, uh, doing colors, coloring, uh, which is not a bad thing to hear, <laughs> quite frankly. No. Uh, no. So, not at all. very very cool. Uh, so that's the house, the nice house on the lake, to be specific. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically all the the proper news I had. Uh, there is just one thing here that I, I don't really understand it, but I thought I'll just mention it for people, which is. The Darwin Cook's widow has asked DC not to use her husband's work in Batman NFT crypto art. Now, if anyone can uh, explain to me what uh, NFT crypto art is, I will, I will try and talk about it. But as of right now, I don't really understand it. So, <laughs> no. So, so from what I understand, I, I read a thing uh, this morning that uh, crypto art is just the newest kind of bubble of people trying to make money. And from what I've heard is that you can take the art, you know, and it's just it's all digital, right? But as Connor was explaining to us, to, to me at least, yesterday, it it involves this blockchain kind of thing that takes up a lot of energy to produce. And so it ends up, you know, it ends up not being good for anybody unless you're selling it. Um, so it's just one of these bubbles, I think, that pops up. It almost seems like a pyramid scheme. You know, people trying to get money quick. And it, you kind of, you just... Get left holding the I mean, bag, cr- cryptocurrency but... in general, I have a vague understanding of. Um, yeah. This particular branch, I'm not entirely sure yeah. of, but... Uh, no. I mean, the fact that DC themselves are engaging in it makes it feel like it's bigger than just, you know, a bunch of scumbags doing it. But, I mean... <sighs> mm. Yeah, again, I don't know. I, I, uh, so I, I tend to stay out of this type of stuff, you know? I just, I had, once I had read, like, it can be super skeezy, is that you don't even have to own the artwork, that you can upload it and then trade it for, you know, however much someone thinks it's worth. But why is someone I buying just, it, though? I, what was, what's, what is the person buying it getting, exactly? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I, when it's digital like that, and it's not like, like, I understood when, when the Wu-Tang Clan put up their album to the highest bidder, and then the highest bidder could do what they wanted with it. I understand that because that is something that's created that's in the form. And sure, it might just be in digital form of like an MP3 file oh. or whatever. But that's something tangible. Is, a piece of digital art that you're. I don't. Is get that it. a 3D model? You know? Can you like spin it around? And I mean. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's just one of those things that when, once it started popping up, it started like. My Twitter feed started talking about NFT stuff, and I was like, what, do I want to click? And it's just, it, it all confused me. Much like the stock market stuff, which I'm still not 100% sure on all the the stuff that happened, you know, back in January. You know, now this comes in. And, yeah, just save your money, kids. Buy comics. <laughs> you know? That's where I'm at. Buy vinyl, I feel like Matt would know? attest that buying comics is not linked to saving money. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> No, but what I mean is, at least when it comes to comics, whether they're digital, right, or they're in the physical, it's something tangible that could, you know, the digital not so much, but it could accrue value one day, you know. Just buy buy what you like. Spend money on stuff that you like. Mm. 
I don't know. <laughs> like, my brother's really into vinyl. That's why I brought that up. And he doesn't know what to do with it, but he knows that he likes it. He doesn't have a record player, but he has Wait, vinyl. Does he can't even play so, it? Yeah. No. Okay. That's so, weird. But... Yeah. Again. But at least with that vinyl, I understand that at least in the pop punk scene, they're limited edition pressings that you can get. So, you know, the the wax is a different color, if you will. You know, and, and there's a collectability to that. Mm. You know, but with this, I just I don't know. Yeah, okay. Um All right. And so, I realize there's something sure. but yeah, I, I realize part of the Darwin part Cups. of the vinyl thing is collecting it for art's sake because it's you know it's it's a fairly big size yeah. and you get a big cover. Some people yeah. frame them. Yeah. Uh so yeah. I'm not saying I don't understand having a few without a record player, but uh, no, but collecting yeah. like lots I, of them, I don't. <laughs> that's weird. Whatever. Yeah, I get. Uh, but I understand Darwin Cook's wife not wanting his art to be used in this kind of sketchy thing, you know, because his art is very iconic. I um, I feel like I just don't so. understand why it's there's any money to be made off. I don't understand. To me, this is like sharing an image on the internet. It's it's, it's free and everyone yeah. just does it and it doesn't matter. Well, don't... Apparently, the, the band Kings of Leon produced an album that was NFT, which doesn't make sense to me. Like... I have never felt older talking about something than I do right now. Yeah. No. And this is where, where Pete's like, yeah, I bought a whole bunch of NFT images. That's what the Patreon money's going towards. <laughs> uh, I, I, oh no! I, uh, what if someone NFTs Connor, and that's how CR twenty one actually spreads? A digital virus. So somehow yeah. Connor's biology get turned yeah. into a digital virus. Because he has no soul, <laughs> it just adopts or uh, adapts, if you will. <laughs> oh boy! All right, yeah, I don't understand things. Uh, yeah. All right, that's the that's the news. <laughs> that's the news. Okay, let's talk about books. Let's talk about books. Superman issue twenty nine. Philip K. Johnson and Phil Hester. And the main story, um, as a standard practice now going forward, I am not going to bother listing the backup creative team. We'll mention them when we get there. But for the sake of the list of contents on the timestamps not being yeah. super long, I'm not going to write multiple writers and artists for it. But anyway, uh, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So this is the, the start of the run proper. Obviously, we got a hell of a preview out of the future state issues, uh, but mm-hmm. this is the first issue in the run, real run going forward. Uh, so we're we're starting with a story called the Golden Age, which heavily features John. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yes, which is isn't when I think Golden Age isn't what it ended up being, mm. which is. Always fun when something like that happens, right? Yeah, I, I think um, because John was not focused on in those future state mm-hmm. issues, I don't know. I think I don't know if we expected there to be much John focus mm-hmm. from Johnson, but the fact that this first issue is like, no, 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 everything's from his perspective. This, this entire first issue is, is John's uh, view of his father. This is what it's all about. Is yeah, it's all about the story here is about uh, a, a child for the first time seeing their 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 parent be basically less than Superman. You know, the idea that in, you know, tell, when you're a little kid, you look up to your parents, you think they're invulnerable, you think they can't do anything wrong, well, you think they're perfect, they'll always be there to save you, there's never going to be a danger with them. Uh, but then eventually you realize right. they're human beings and they can make mistakes and they can get hurt. And, uh, you know, the, 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 so 
they scale that up to Superman here, where John sees mm-hmm. Clark get hurt, and it's kind of the, yep. the you know, the it's so, innocent here for this. Fighting, yeah, fighting some interdimensional thing, and, you know, him and John are going up to, to do, you know, try to take care of it in the way that they do as, as supers. Um, but there, there was one thing that really stuck out to me is that John, John being so worried about him because not just because of the future, but because of that stuff where he realizes, you know, his dad is still his dad on like a, on a human level and that it finally dawned on him that his dad might not be around forever, you know, and that he can't be Superman because Clark is Superman. He's like, yeah, it can be a title, but at the end of the day, he he is Superman. It's not yeah. It's not. It's, really it's like not just that. a role that's to be filled. It's that's the, he is Superman. Yeah, yeah. I you know, and I really like that sentiment because that's when you, when you think about parents and whatnot. If I can know? make a minor critique, that I don't think mm-hmm. would be a critique separated. Like if this, if this story just came out and it was just this, I, I wouldn't have mm-hmm. this critique. And I realize that Future State were all possible futures, but it is a little bit weird weird to read. Just after Future State ends, where we see Superman exist to this old man who's there e- eons in the future when there's descendants of Kent's. The idea mm-hmm. that John is worried in the first issue of the Superman run that his dad's going to die soon because he knows from the future that his time's almost up is a bit weird. Like, I, I get that it doesn't matter what happened in Future State, that we are doing new things now, well, but it is a bit just jarring as a reader because we so, just did that. Right. So let, let me spin it this way. This might just be spin. But he's talking about the Legion and he's talking about how what's going on in their present is the past where John just came back from. So he knows things that he's not supposed to. However, we've seen that like because timey wimey, right? It could be wrong. You know, John knowing this might completely subvert the future in in there, right? That they're talking about. Or, you know. The Legion was just wrong. Whatever they thought happened to Superman didn't necessarily go down that way. But to John, it doesn't make it any less real because to him, this might be the last time he sees his dad. So that, that oh, no, you know, I, I get it. He wants to take care of it. I him, get it. And it's know? not a huge critique, but there was a moment when he started talking about like knowing his dad's time was almost up mm-hmm. that I just kind of went. I don't really believe you. I mean, I wouldn't believe him anyway because it's comics and the Superman, but. <laughs> But, right, but I just, I, no, it's just it's just it's, it's just a, a thing because we just went through all those stories in future state of seeing superman do the beard and be at the end of the universe with wonder woman mm-hmm. and doing all that stuff mm-hmm. and i get that that's all possible futures but there was just something that when he started talking about it it just it rang a little bit like i have no reason to i don't know accept this right now i just i can't no, i can't I, roll with that i took it as john's like like misplaced care you know what i mean like because he's young and he's going to worry about it and you know to clark it might not be anything where he's just like yeah man i've been doomsday killed me yeah here i am you know like i just feel like it's it's john having to learn that he can't worry about that type of stuff and as someone that, that goes through bouts of anxiety that's something that i've had to work on you know so to see it coming through from this character i know i i it rang true for me so yeah and uh, no i mean it was just a thing when he soon as he started talking about it the part part of me just kind of checked out a little bit because i'm like i, I don't 
I don't know. I'm just I'm not <laughs> like I'm not in the headspace to be uh, talking about this potential. It's not to say that anything in it is poorly written because it's not. It's a, it's a really well no. uh, told issue. No. Uh, the the majority of the book doesn't even have dialogue. It's just the narration. Um, who I don't believe we ever find out who's talking, do we? Like the, we don't know who's narrating yet. I don't- I don't think so. I think we'll find out in the next in, in action. There is a green. Uh, there's a off. green background to the box, mm-hmm. which maybe we could speculate based on that. But mm-hmm. uh, ultimately, most of the issue is this narration talking about how John looks up to his father, about learning that he maybe can be defeated. We do see Amanda Waller, uh, who's not behind the breach mm-hmm. in space that's letting these beings into our universe, but. When no. she learns that something from it does hurt Superman, although notably not John, just Superman, um, right. she tells Star Labs, the Star Labs satellite, to not close it yet because it, it you know, it bears further investigation. Uh, mm-hmm. she eventually agrees to close it once too many monsters start coming out. That it's like, you know, okay, we've done as much research as we can now. Close it. You know, we, we've learned stuff. Mm-hmm. We've accomplished something. Uh, and that's you know, it's during that this whole kerfuffle where Superman does get hurt. Uh, not seriously, but he does get cut, which is pretty notable for uh for Superman. Um, yeah. So, um, I'm also wondering if this is the like a little bit of foreshadowing to what leads to War World with Superman in those worlds at war issues. You know, if that's where he goes, that John's worried about. Um, but there's also the scene that that pops out, and I don't have my handy dandy translator for kryptonian but there's there's you know text boxes with kryptonian and seeming that that Kelix seems to be worried about something um so i wonder what's going on with that if that plays into what's going on in the with the rift and whatnot too um but yeah because it says results confirmed they're down at the bottom so I think that's all interesting, but no, I I really like all of that stuff there, um, with with John and Superman and talking about like when he was a kid and just you know the the game with the pine cone, you know it's called Coney Ball, which just you know made me remember the the stuff that I really loved at the beginning of Rebirth, you know them them living out in Hamilton County, uh, so that that's all, uh, Johnson coming in and being like yeah, look we're not exactly starting over playing within the bounds which i always appreciate as a, as a long-time comic reader oh, no, I, I definitely appreciate that we're we're talking about john being aged up that we're still dealing with that because mm-hmm. that's not something that lois and superman should just go over mm-hmm. like you know they lost like the majority of their his childhood like he jumped from being mm-hmm. 10 to being what 16 17, 17 yeah some of yeah. that um so clark trying to bond over this old game and the the irony here being that usually it's the parent who gets old and forgets something but it's actually john who's like no this was a long time ago i don't remember how to play this game and clark's like well yeah. you know well it wasn't that long ago to me but that's also like a, a parent going with like kids don't understand time that way but to the the parent it was like oh no it wasn't that long ago but really. of course here it's literal you know there they, was actually a, a time difference right, for them yeah right and so I, I do like all that and it's just Again, Johnson just gets Superman, which makes me happy because there was a time where I would always worry who was taking over Superman. And like hearing Bendis was doing it, you feel a little bit more at ease, but you're still kind of unsure. But within these, this is his fourth issue now writing the character. I feel like it's in very safe hands going forward. Um, And yeah, I don't, it feels nice not to have to worry for once. 
Yeah. Uh, obviously, the issue is big cliffhanger is that just as they're having this bonding, Kalex is trying to talk mm-hmm. to Superman, and a, the rift that was there was not actually the first rift. It was just the biggest one. There was lots of little minor ones, and the big rift yep. is opening. So the issue ends with a big rift opening and a giant version of whatever these interdimensional beings are is coming yeah. out. That's your big full page spread to wrap things up on. So uh, there's a glorious page before that, though, of Superman and John both flying towards the rift, but it's kind of broken up into these uh, mm-hmm. horizontal panels in the middle. So the page, the, the second last page is very nicely split up. With the, It's almost like it's like a full page spread, but then there's these panels like, laid over the top of it, and it just gives it this kind of yeah. s- sequential feeling to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a good first issue. I mean, I, I don't want my, my mm-hmm. critique of... of part of the plot kind of feeling kind of weird after future state to get in the way of it too much because ultimately it's not a big deal uh and shouldn't in the long run um i think the way john thinks of his father is very sort of in tune for superman and not quite as strong but definitely i can tell comes from the same mind that brought us that that first future state issue which was all about the aura of superman yeah. and what people see in him and how they look up to him and we're kind of getting mm-hmm. that from john's perspective here which i think is really neat um i know connor was expecting me to be lukewarm on the art uh i, I don't remember what phil hester right. issue we did before that i was mean to mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't i don't recall i really i think that the 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 thick blocky lines where it feels like almost like the the batman and superman animated series right it fits really well and uh hester's sense of action in through these like like sure, I, I say blocky, but there's still a, a a fluidity to all of it. Like when uh, a lot, there's a lot of them floating, right? Because they both can fly, and there's like almost a bounce to the art that I really like. Uh, I, but yeah. So what? Yeah, I, I don't ever remember that you being negative on Hester. So. Maybe it was that previously. Maybe they're like a, an old issue or something that we talked about. Um, I don't think the the art is bad by any means. Uh, I'd say it's. Maybe not perfect to my taste. It's it's kind of like it's all, it almost feels like it's going for kind of the uh, the McGinnis kind of the early lobe stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm kind of getting some of that vibes from it. It's maybe not exactly what I was yeah. expecting from this run based on those two Yannon issues uh, from Future State, mm-hmm. which were obviously very different. Um, but yeah. I don't, I don't know, because like, I, I saw that tweet from Connor before I read it, and I was kind of coming in thinking I was going to dislike the art, and I kind of yeah. came in and went, oh, this is fine. Admittedly, I'm not over the moon about it. I mean, Connor was praising it to the high heavens like it was the, the second coming. I, yeah. I, I think it's, it's solid art, uh, but I'm not... I'm so, not looking up on what he's worked on, uh, there's Wonder Woman 605 to 614. So maybe... Did you guys cover that in previously? Nope. No? There's Nightwing. There's Green Arrow. Uh, he's on Godzilla, Kingdom of the Monsters. So, any of these ring a bell? No. <laughs> huh. Maybe a swamp thing, but I don't know how long ago that goes back. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure if he was here, he would, he would moan yeah. and tell me uh, why he expected me to hate this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, mean I, I, I think like the bar was set so high by those first two Future State issues, which for me are like, you know, I gave that those like 9.5s and 10s. And I think this is mm-hmm. a really solid first issue. I like the overall tone that it's got. I love the pacing. I think it flows really well. Um, whoever this voice is feels very enigmatic. Uh, and it's kind of the sort of feeling that I love in a comic book. Um, I think the issue overall, I'd 
you know, for, for getting to the ratings here, that, this is you know, this is a solid eight out of ten for me. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take it a little bit higher. Sure. Eight point five. <laughs> oh yeah, just. I mean, I, I again, I really like the art, and I think Johnson just understands Superman at a level that I don't think many other. I haven't felt this way for a Superman writer in quite a long time. So yeah, it just again, it feels nice. And comforted, so that's worth the extra half point. Yeah, I'm excited for the run. Uh, I mean, I guess the only thing I would say about the art is that the the, the style is a bit more kind of cartoony than perhaps the the tone of the story makes me think fits it. If that yeah. makes you know, I feel like the the tone of the story feels like it maybe would belong to a, maybe a a more shaded artist rather than the flatter cartoony style of this one. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's not really that big of a critique, to be honest. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so giant alien or interdimensional being coming through the portal at the end in space. Yeah. Uh, which is what John and... Thing, uh, I just want to briefly mention as well, there was a, a scene with uh, Lois where they're just sort of sitting watching TV as the narration is playing out, mm-hmm. which I thought was a, a nice little scene. Uh, the idea that mm-hmm. uh, John falls asleep watching TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a kid sitting in front of uh, the parents. Yeah. Like a little kid. Because you know. it's, like, it's as the narration is talking about the golden age is a wonderful thing, this golden age of childhood, mm-hmm. but it doesn't last forever. I do kind of like that. This is like just a snapshot in that golden age of like the parents, you know, yeah. just enjoying spending time as their kid falls asleep in front of the TV. I don't know. I just I, I like the because yeah. so much of the issue is there's these big fights in space and all these big things going on. I kind of like that you have this quiet moment, small quieter yeah. moment. So, yeah. Uh, there you go. That's a uh, Superman twenty nine. Wonder Woman's... Oh, wait, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. There's no, back... I, I, I'm forgetting those backups and all of the books there. You're right. Hold on. So there's a... There's a I was going to say a Jimmy story, but it's actually not. I thought it was a Jimmy story based on the first couple panels, but it's actually a Bibble story. Do you, do you want to... you want to guess how excited I was when I turned it and it wasn't just Jimmy and it was Bibbo? I, I, I can imagine... Uh, Yes. I mean, the, the only thing that made this more exciting for you is if instead of the blonde, it was Bibble and like, Guy Gardner uh, get out of a limo to, right. to go do stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. So uh, I love Bibbo. This is Sean Lewis writing with Sam Badgery on the art for this backup. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jimmy's around. Jimmy kind of introduces the story, but it's a Bibble story mm-hmm. where somehow he's got this, you know, this very attractive woman going to a movie with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie premiere as well, I think, because it's like a red carpet. Yeah, that's what that's what it looks like. You know, at first I'm just like, "What is Bibbo doing? Like, <laughs> this is not you know the bar that he frequents down on the docks, you know, or that he a- works apparently out." Apparently, Jimmy's got him into writing so that he can tell the story of yeah. the common man on in Metropolis. Which, which I do love, considering that these are two of Superman's best pals, mm. right? Like, Bibbo worships the idea of Superman and what he means to Metropolis, and then Jimmy's his actual best friend. So the fact like they're trying to give the the other perspective of Metropolis is something that that's a, that's a great idea from Jimmy. Like he doesn't get those two minutes. Yeah, um, yeah, because the idea being this, this is maybe jumping to the end when he's he's closing the narration, but the idea from Bebo is that you know we can't rely on Superman to solve all the small problems. We actually have to stand up. We have to mm-hmm. take the inspiration of Superman and actually tackle a lot of things ourselves. Um, admittedly, maybe this issue goes, uh, this story goes a little too far in the sense that Bibble takes on an alien being <laughs> on his own with a, a simple punch, yeah. but you know that's fine. Um, so basically, the the blonde woman, the attractive woman, is actually just a projection uh, from mm-hmm. an alien. 
I mean, I don't know if her name's actually Projectress, or if that's just what the other guy calls her. That's what he calls them, uh, but I'm gonna call her that. <laughs> Projectress. You know. Um, and then, he, is he, what, Deadstream, I think, is, is that his name was? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it sounds like a rejected Transformer, if I'm honest. <laughs> if I'm rating that name. A little bit. Um, but he, he sort of comes in and disguises a charming, handsome man and starts to, like, uh, basically get Bibble to, like, get into a fight by, like, hitting on her. Uh, and he eventually gets mad when he says something in the theater uh, and throws him into a fountain. Uh, but then he reveals himself for what he is. Deadstream is actually, you know, he, he, he turn into a big water monster using the water from the fountain. Yeah. Uh, and Bibble, like, takes him on. Although he turns it off the water first, which is kind of what a lot of his powers coming yeah. from. Uh, Smart. But yeah. But then, you know, the blonde woman disappears. And it's like, hey, mm-hmm. you were targeted. And Jimmy's like, hey, you know, I, I think you were a victim of uh, of uh, some some monstrous beings. Uh, and, you know, it's, yeah. so it ends with Bibble I... with his typewriter and he's, he's just he's writing about, you know, how yeah. we have to do stuff as well. We can't just leave it to Superman. With a minor cliffhanger of these two beings, mm-hmm. of Deadstream and, and Projectress, watching through the window from a distance. So this, this story's not done. Like, they're targeting Bibble yeah. for something. But, yes, we're getting a Bibble backup and... story. I I like that their their plan comes from like to get to Superman and, and Metropolis. You have to you can't just go like they said if you're gonna destroy a house you start with the foundation. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that like Bibbo is the foundation of of Metropolis for Superman because if you break Bibbo, right? That's kind of the common belief of uh, people believing in Superman. But you know Bibbo's not that difficult to break, right? Like. Uh, and he, he comes up with that realization of, yeah, Superman's there, but if we rely on him too much, then we get too weak. And that we have to, you know, take care of each other as much as he takes care of Metropolis. And it's just a really nice, you know, you don't get you don't get thoughtful Bibbo that much, right? Like, he's always just kind of that aw shucks guy. Uh, yet here, I thought, I liked this a whole lot. Like, I was surprised. Yeah, it was it was a very interesting counter, not a counterpoint, but just a, a different story to the main mm-hmm. story to to kind of wrap up with. Uh, a yeah. couple of details I like in the last page is that he's got a hole in his sock, his his toes sticking out, and they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also got a photo of him and Superman on the wall right behind him. Yep, probably yep. his most prized possession. Mm-hmm. And a book leveling out his little table with his TV on it. Uh, Still, I, I would almost argue yeah. maybe it's just easier to draw an old CRT TV, but I, I do think it's an intentional choice for Bibble to still have a, a crappy old <laughs> chunky TV. Yeah. Oh, Matt, your mic's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. There you go. So, yeah, it's, it's, as far as, you know, we're kind of judging these backups for the first time this month. Uh, it's kind of the, the first month of having all these backups as a regular feature in the books. Um, I'd say this one's a fairly po- positive one. Yes. Uh, uh, what would you like to rate this... Uh, I'm gonna give this one a seven point five. Um, it's it's good, but it you know, it's it's not amazing, but it did surprise me. So uh, and I I do like the art, although on the on the last page I'm gonna pull a Connor here. Uh, the the Dreadwave guy, his eyes are very very far apart. It looks a little bit weird in that final panel. Yeah, I mean to be fair, he's not he's not human though, so uh, he kind of look he's made a little kind of alien and monstrous. So it is a little bit goofy though. You know, just it's I, weird. I, I tell you, but Elsa's far apart. Her boobs. Yeah, well, you know, she's she's projecting. So clearly, that's so what. Uh, clear. Uh, oh no, no, that's her. Yeah, so that's, that that's her. Whatever she is, but um, yeah. Uh, for for a second, when it first started, I thought it was Cat Grant, 
just because of the the blonde. <laughs> you thought you know, or Cat, Cat Grant were good at for a movie date? I, I thought, you know, whatever's going on, you know, with Cat. We haven't seen her in a while, so. Uh, but yeah, uh, pr- pretty good. Okay. Uh, I, su- I mean, do we rate these as a whole? I suppose we probably should. Uh, what are you giving the whole book? Let's see. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll split the difference between the stories and go 7.5. I, it's funny, it's, it's not necessarily the knockout of the park that I was hoping for the first issue of this run, but it's also nothing dissuasive either. It's like, no, it's a solid start, um, and I'm excited to see where Johnson builds up to from from here. So, mm-hmm. that's cool. Wonder Woman 770, Becky Clinton and Michael Conrad writing with Travis Moore, again, on the main story. We'll get to mm-hmm. the, the backup when we get to it. Uh, so that's 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 why I had a lot of weird stuff get into it because it was like okay Wonder Woman because of where she went at the end of you know Infinite Frontier Zero or or the end of Death Metal but then specifically the end of Infinite mm-hmm. Frontier Zero where she kind of rejected the offer and it seemed like she was trying to go back down to Earth but given the solicits for everything else it didn't seem like she was going to make it like she's going somewhere else first and this mm-hmm. kind of becomes okay this is where she is right now um. So I don't want to call it a dream, because it's not a dream, but it's kind of... This is one of these comic stories where the character is trapped in some kind of loop or some kind of, you know, you know, mystical world that's separate from everything. Yeah, so we, we kind of knew from Solicit she's in the sphere of the gods, which when you look at multiverses, it kind of lays outside the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of wraps it around. So who knows what that means in the omniverse at this point? Um, but yeah, so if you are familiar with, you know, Viking mythology and Valhalla, it is a time, no, I don't want to say a time loop, but it is one of these things where, you know, you go, you fight, you die, you wake up the next day and do the same thing. Yeah. It um, kind of reminds me and, of like any story where a character is trapped in like a town or something like that, where mm-hmm. something weird's going on and clearly like part of their memory. And that's true here like wonder woman doesn't remember mm-hmm. everything she remembers her name is diana but no. she does not remember wonder woman she does not remember the specifics yeah. of who she was she, she kind of remembers that she was um, like invulnerable to, to weapons which he thinks you know is kind of funny because if she was she wouldn't end up in well, she, she also remembers at one point that she thinks she could fly but she i mean mm-hmm. that's the other thing is that she has none of her powers here she she's just uh right Seemingly, I'd say mortal, but technically she's waking back up and like fighting every day. So mortal's right. not exactly right either, but mm-hmm. <laughs> no powers. Um, so right. she's in you know a version of Asgard, uh, where they fight every day. Uh, when mm-hmm. they eventually die, they spend the night in Valhalla, and then they wake up the next day, and they're it's time to fight again, basically. Uh, after maybe mm-hmm. a bit of rest, uh, and she meets this uh this character. Uh, is it Siegfried? I want to say Siegfried, which. There is an old Germanic poem that, that's about Siegfried and his quest for the sto- sword. And uh, yeah, it's it's been copied. It ends up in all sorts of mythologies. Uh, I figured Connor would have had a, a, a real good time with this one. Um, but yeah, that, that's his sword. And, you know, it's well known. So I'm sure that'll be a key to whatever's going on uh, into the future because they keep pointing out his, his sword. His name is Graham. Uh, and yeah, but but he's there and is kind of her guide to everything that's going on. And love interest as well to an extent. I mean, there's kind of a there's a, yeah. there's a moment you because know, they're drinking in Valhalla together, and he's giving her lots of this mead. Uh, says it's really strong because mm-hmm. Odin's son likes it strong. Uh, yeah, as she puts yeah. it. 
Uh, but you know, she ends up waking up in his bed, and he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, nothing happened." But they're, they're flirting a lot. But if anything, if I have a complaint about dialogue, is that later on when she's talking to the squirrel, um, she uh, she says, "Oh, I've got a thing, not a date, but I did, I did make a promise to be somewhere." And I'm like, "Why is she talking like a teenager? Like, I don't like yeah. why, why is she talking about this? Like, she's a grown ass woman who's not shy. Like, why is she why is she like tripping up and like be?" I guess maybe it's trying to tell us she does have some sort of romantic feeling for him, but yeah, I don't know. It just it felt weird for her to say that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's as she's figuring stuff out again, you know, like I don't know. She just feels awkward. How how do you feel about this this story conceptually? Like this is what we're doing for at least an arc and and Wonder Woman. I enjoy it. I mean, I'm not gonna be mad at at Wonder Woman plus Vikings, right? And playing with with the different mythologies. So, you know, here it gets in there because that, that squirrel, um, Ratatosk, is the, in, in Norse mythology, right, there's the world tree, which we get introduced mm-hmm. to, Yggdrasil. And Ratatosk goes from the roots to the top so people can communicate, right? So he's kind of like a messenger uh, on, on this tree. So as soon as he popped up, I was like, okay, there's some more mythological stuff going on because the world tree connects all the different realms uh and, and by doing so it's almost like an interdimensional gate so i'm wondering if this you know whatever brought her here right because radishkos is like well if you're here you know i kind of brought you to, to help you know yeah oh um, yeah i mean wonder woman doesn't obviously know how she ended up here or mm-hmm. exactly what no. led her to this place uh uh, the squirrel, and I'm saying the squirrel because it's mostly a squirrel. It's got a little horn as well, but it's, it's a squirrel. Yeah, he has a little tusk. Yeah. So the, the name actually comes from, uh, you know, old old uh, Norse for, what is it, like, tusk rat, right? So, you know, rat a tusk. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll go with a, a squirrel with a horn instead. Why not? Yeah. It looks and cool. obviously every time she sleeps, she has like a... Not even a dream, like someone who knows who she is is trying to talk to her and tell her where she is and explain, you know, yeah. you, you don't belong here, you have powers, you're Diana of the Mascara. Uh, I, I did think I noted, because there's a silhouette, the first time we have this sort of sequence in the all white and black, uh, mm-hmm. the figure, whoever it is, says, I get it, this place is kind of cool. The fact that they say kind of cool implies that it's not like another godlike character. That sounds like a human character that's try to talk to or her. someone that spent a lot of time around yeah someone, someone who would speak that casually i guess is the uh, and that's why i'm thinking like whatever this is it, it is in the sphere of the gods we're gonna see not just the viking mythologies we're gonna see them all play out and if this is someone like hercules or a demigod like that that's you know kind of like diana um i think that would be cool but it does seem like it's someone familiar yeah with the way that they're keeping it in uh, in uh, silhouette, it looks like a guy uh, just based on the silhouette. But I mean, mm-hmm. again, it's just the, the the phrasing of the dialogue. It's kind of again, right. it's kind of cool. It sounds very casual and very kind of human. Mm-hmm. So, like you say, it could be someone who's just gotten comfortable with humans, but isn't a human necessarily, right. or is a human. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see either way. Um, because I, Joe, it's funny because I think the art's really good. I think it's very well detailed. It's, mm-hmm. it's expressive. Travis yeah, Travis Moore's art here is maybe some of the best Travis Moore art I've seen. Uh, it's really mm-hmm. good stuff. Um, I think the story flows well enough, and I think it, it you know, it went in at a nice pace. I, I, I found myself yeah. into the, the the comic bookiness of the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. the, the 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 core concept though of her like going through 
uh potentially multiple like different places mm-hmm. like like asgard uh and right. like almost like a, a dreamlike sort of state where she's going through different phases before eventually getting out and back into the real world like i have mm-hmm. to admit like nothing in this issue bothered me but when i think of that in a sort of lo- long-term plan i'm like i don't know if i'm that interested in that as a concept like, uh, like <laughs> that's the difference between yeah, you and I, I, right, part of me is because are, yeah. are we really going to be doing this kind of she's trapped in like a, a limbo for you know mm-hmm. arcs well, and arcs i don't i don't think necessarily trapped in i do think that whatever led her there is because the world tree is is sick right sure and and the world tree is this as this connection between other realms you know i feel that's why she's there because they felt like you know, this goddess of compassion is the one that can solve this for us and almost fix the sphere of the gods, whatever it is. So I'm I'm here for that because it's, it's balancing all the, the elements of Wonder Woman that I like, right? It's got the mythology. It has her as kind of like this, not quite a warrior, but like this, you know, kind of paragon of virtue that, that the, you know, the world tree could reach out to or, or whatever it is. Uh, as long as it doesn't start going into the kind of sci-fi more, because I don't, I tend not to like when one woman edges into the sci-fi. And when you think about like the multiverse and omniverse and where that fits in, I just hope there's not like a bait and switch there. Um, as as the more we get going, but no, I I really enjoyed this. I mean, I I, I enjoyed it well enough. Like I th- I think it's a solidly told comic, and the art, like I say, is very good. But there's moments where they're kind of mm-hmm. flirting with each other and they're smelling at each other. I don't really like this guy that much because he's kind of just generic pretty boy in a lot of ways. But yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the archetype of Siegfried. Yeah, but like uh, I, from from the Eddas. But I I don't so, so like the art's very good. It it flows well enough. Um, the battles are fine. Like. It's, it's kind of one of those things, though, where it's just more of a long-term concept, conceptual thing where, um, you know, the, the, the teasing of, of where things are going and, and whatnot. Because the ending here, of course, uh, because she couldn't see him, she, 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 she couldn't find him mm-hmm. at the, in the, the hall of Valhalla, right? Right. Uh, towards the right. end of the issue. And she goes looking for him, goes back out to the squirrel on the tree uh, and all that. Um, and basically the, the squirrel says... Uh, the Valkyries never came from at the end of the battle that they're supposed to. The Valkyries mm-hmm. are disappearing, uh, and this might very well, you know, be connected to the World Tree dying. Uh, right. So right. you know, and then Siegfried gets up, but he can't. Uh, he can't see. He's lost. He's, he's in like a fog, and he kind of like. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he, I don't yeah. know if it suggests he's actually thought. consumed by the fog. Uh, right. It kind of looks like he might be because his his text is like disappearing. He's like, he's like you know, I'm cold. Help me, mm-hmm. Diana, and he's kind of the green smoke or the right. green mist. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I hate to be kind of, I don't want to be a downer because I actually think it was fairly well told. I just mm-hmm. conceptually, I'm less excited about this and I'm already like, part of me is going, couldn't we have had like, you know, just like, couldn't, couldn't Donna Troy have had the, if we have to have Diana gone for like <laughs> six months or a year, could we not just had like Donna Troy stories for a year instead? This <laughs> is my feeling. Yeah, but we're, but we're. We're getting a Yara Floor series. We are. I'm so looking like, forward to that. Yes. I, if this is my bargain, right, that, that that's fine, because I'm I'm way more excited for Yara Floor. But I'm not mad at this. <sighs> again, this one issue in, I can't, you know, like it just... No, I'm not saying it's one-to-one, like, right? But how right? I feel conceptually about this is very similar to what Nightmares was to Batman, like Tom King's run. Like, 
it's kind of the similar vibe of like, oh, we're going through a different, and it's not a dream, but I right. kind of the same feeling of disconnect where I'm like, oh, okay, so we're going through these various worlds, and maybe it's all important, maybe it all matters, but Wonder Woman not remembering who she is exactly and having to rediscover herself, like I don't know, I feel like I've done that beat so many so 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 many times in comic books across different characters that I'm just kind of like. You know what? Conceptually, I'm not excited by this, and I'm happy to read the next issue because I think this read well enough, yeah. and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in for the art, and I, I want to see what happens. I'll see where it goes, but conceptually, here I'm just kind of like, eh, <laughs> like. I mean, I kind of figured that from you because you, you don't, you're not big into the mythological stuff like me and Connor are, so I'm not surprised. Um, but at the same time, you know. I don't. I, it people's taste is people's. I do, taste, I do right? think there's a distinction though, because it's not like she's actually just went to actual Asgard, and this is because because this whole looping thing where she's like dying and coming back, uh, this is not just in that, straight up Asgard though, right? Yeah, no, no, no. That's Valhalla is is Odin's. That that's his hall, right? And so all the best warriors end up there. That's what the Vikings are striving for. That's why they're such fearsome uh, fighters. Is like if they died a good death, they got to go on there. Like their afterlife was more of this. Right. So, and in that, until Ragnarok happens, which is their end of time, their path. So you're telling me that she's not no. in Asgard and she's just in Valhalla the whole time. No. So <laughs> Valhalla is in Asgard, right? Asgard's a realm, right? Valhalla's in that realm. How is Valhalla in the same place as Asgard? Valhalla is where they go after they die. Right, because it's it's mythological, and so Valhalla is where humans go, right? They go to Asgard. So these Vikings came from mythology, Earth, stupid. Right, they came from Midgard. <laughs> this is stupid. Okay, no, this this is mythology, man. This is this, stupid. What works? Right. Well, that's fine. So but I'm here for Wonder Woman, and I'm I'm getting a story where she doesn't remember who she is, and see, you're making right, me sound because... way more negative on this than I actually am. But I... no, no, no. <laughs> Because in when because and this is how I took it and I might be completely off. When when they're going through right, each rebirth or each each time she dies and wakes up the next morning, she's losing a little piece of Diana. Mm -hmm. So as far as we know, we don't know how long she's been going through this, right? Like she could have showed up there and was like, you know, whoever pulled her there was like, hey, I need help, and then she got wrapped up in it right because she's not technically wonder woman anymore in this realm, i don't actually i actually right? don't she's... get the impression she's been here before we start to see at the start of this year oh. because she seems to remember things after each loop after this first time we see her and i think uh -huh. when she's warned that each time she dies she's losing a bit more of herself that that's just kind of the start of the mm -hmm. process because it's like okay so the potential for her well sure things to get worse as she keeps dying and looping um right but you're, you're talking about I'm, I'm trying to ease your you know her her not remembering who she is, and maybe we've done this type of stuff before. I'm just saying, maybe it could be revealed that we're coming at her in the middle of of this, at this point. You know, maybe. I don't, I don't know, but as someone that loves, you know, Norse mythology and likes Wonder Woman, merging of the two is something that I think is pretty. I don't want to say bold because it's not. I bold, guess, <sighs> but it, it, it's something I haven't seen before, right? And so to see their version of Thor show up here, like murdering a troll. Like that—that's directly from the mythos. I, you know, this isn't Marvel's Thor that we're all so used to now. Uh, this is a very, 
you know, from the stories. I think it's a two, two-sided thing. One is that I've seen the whole, the character doesn't quite remember who they are. They have to refine themselves mm-hmm. done enough times that I'm just kind of bored by it. And two, one of the things that we all said after, you know, coming towards the end of Future State is we were excited for books to not be this weird future thing anymore and to be back to continuity. And this is very much not back to, you know, you know, Wonder Woman continuity in the DCU. This is still a very well, separate thing. But we knew that based off of the end of Metal because of her choices. No, no, we made. didn't know that. But I'm still less excited by it. This is yeah. this was always kind of the weird well, book. I'm like, why does Wonder Woman even have an ongoing book right now when she's not supposed to technically right. exist? So you're you're bringing that in. Yeah, and I get that. Well, yeah, no. Whereas I feel like I. I'm just here for the ride. Yes, but what I'm saying is, though, is that this this issue's goal was to sell me on the concept of whatever this book was going to be for the next while. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the quality is pretty solid, but conceptually it didn't really sell me because I'm like, eh, this... And here I'm I'm in more than ever. It's exactly what Uh, I wanted to do. I... Yeah, I... You know. Yeah. Honestly, I'd... I think it just comes down to taste, right? I think it's just like... I'm okay with the story being what it is just because of, you know, when I'm okay with, whereas you're, you wanted that kind of, you'd rather not have a one woman story if it was going to be this, right? Like, I know, would be, no, I'd be fine with this. Almost a run If this was a mini, there was just some sort of, someone's doing yeah. some weird Wonder Woman tangent thing where they wanted to put her into all this mythology stuff. Great. This mm-hmm. being the main Wonder Woman book is kind of like, eh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just it. it yeah. I, I hate to be a that because there's things in the book I like. I I love the tease at one point where she's like the, the narration is saying that she's going to meet the the biggest baddest thing in in the in the land, and she's looking out at these giant you know these giants in the distance, and then the squirrels like, yeah. no, not them, me. Which, by Wait. the way, uh, almost like a meta point, like the squirrel was kind of implying that it could hear the narration in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because if if if. If we're believing everything about Radisog, it's it is the messenger that goes between the, the realms. Mm-hmm. So of course, it, it if it can go between the realms, that means it's kind of an extra dimensional entity. So you know, I, I'm not quite sure if it's going to go the meta vibe of that all, but you know, yeah, um, um yeah. So yeah, I, I like I I just I I I just think that conceptually, this is not. Uh, what I want the ongoing book of any of the superheroes to be, uh, so and I knew you'd be seduced. See, you'd I'm... be seduced with Asgard, and you'd be seduced with Vikings, and yeah. But even if this was like Egyptian mythology, which I know next to nothing about, I still think I would enjoy it just because I do have that. I like mythologies. I like the different cultural takes on on the same ideas and whatnot, and and. So, like, but yeah, Vikings is just is just the cherry on the Sunday. It's like right? a, it's like, like an episode of a TV show where the main character wakes up in some sort of weird place and they don't know why they're there and they spend the episode trying to figure out. And there's the, but at least in a TV show, if it doesn't work, then it's over by the end of the episode. With a comic book, we've got at least six issues. And my concern is is that we're going to be going through multiple different realms, doing the same kind of shtick mm-hmm. for several arcs before we finally. Get to whatever. I, I'd say I don't. I don't necessarily know that. I don't think that's going to be the same shtick. Okay. I feel like the her not remembering is a, is going to be a Valhalla thing, and then when she ends up going to you know whatever else is in the the sphere of the gods, because who knows who else is what lies in there. You know, we we could get if we want to play with mythos, we could end up with Diana versus Cthulhu at one point. You know, like, and that would be completely different than what this is. So. 
if this keeps up over the next two issues, then yeah, I think you're justified in your worry. Uh, but again, I'm not going to tell you like, oh no, you're, you're wrong. Cause again, it's for taste. And when I was reading this, you know, first thing on Tuesday, I was like, I don't know if he's going to like this. There's a lot of, a lot of swords and sorcery kind of stuff going on. That's not even my problem with uh, it though. My problem is just how tangential no, 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 it feels. Like, right. 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 And so, and with the swords and sorcery, it's just, it's like, it feels, it's just, I mean, maybe, maybe they'll do there. something important for a character arc where she'll discover or learn something by the end. But it feels like we're doing some sort of weird, wacky side story with Wonder Woman because she's not allowed to be in main continuity for a while. So it's not because they had this great idea, it's because she has to not be around because of the way, you know, Infinite Frontier's going because of the end of Death Metal. Like, she's not allowed to be involved for a while because of continuity. And because of that, they've had to come up with some weird things. So, and maybe the weird thing will be fun for a lot of people, but it didn't come from a place of, no, this is a story we have to tell with Diana. It's no... Diana's not allowed to be here, so we have to come up with some sort of weird other thing for her book to do until she's allowed to be back properly. I mean, that that's kind of where, where Bruce was forever, right? With falling through time. And then you didn't like that. Well, no, but that was a separate miniseries. I, I was enjoying the main bad book at the time. Right, right, right. right. Now you know what you're saying. <laughs> but no, now that you Batman was great. I was, I was loving the high life during that era. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm talking to just the... the the return of Bruce yes. Wayne. I I get how these are similar. Now yeah. you say that, that. Yeah, that sex issue miniseries, Return of Bruce Wayne. Did not like it. Did not like that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, but that was there because Morrison was doing other stories without Bruce. Yes. You know, so because of how Final Crisis. Yes, this this is this is this is Return of Diana, and it's not as bad as Return of Bruce Wayne as of yet. But yeah, conceptually, I mean, that one did have have bat, you know. Caveman, Batman, you know, r- running around in that first issue. So, yeah, and it was tedious. It was tedious to get through. Just, just get to the point. God damn it! I, I, I just this, this I is know. Return of Diana. It's not as bad as Return of Bruce Wayne as uh, of yet, but conceptually, a lot of the reasons why I don't like those types of side stories, where they don't know quite who they are okay. and they're traveling through time. And, and it's not that I don't love time travel, and it's not that I don't necessarily love characters being in new situations. But this is it's just, I don't know, it's a trope that I'm just not, and it's, uh. see, this is the thing, I, all my, my feeling at the end of this issue was like, ah, shrug, you know, it was, it was pretty decent for what it was, even though I'm not in love with the concept. Yeah. Having to sit and talk about it has made me dislike it more. <laughs> because you're making me explain things, like you're making me explain things, uh, and it's going to be worse when Connor's here, because Connor's going to sit there and jack off into a cup yeah. as he's talking about this book. I know he is, I know what he's like. <laughs> so it's gonna be that stupid king arthur conversation from uh that superman issue all over again oh well, just wait till i start talking about him off off here with uh with, with once in future i can i can know that. Whole, i don't have to i, I don't have it. to chime in on that though that's fine i can i could just forget that exists <laughs> yes all right what are you rating the the main I, i'm giving this an eight uh i i like it it's Here's the thing, I'm still giving it a 7. I think it's a perfectly solid told issue uh, with good art. It just, conceptually, I'm not necessarily in love with the idea that this is what the book's going to be for X number of issues. Uh, But I'm still in for now. I'm still in for now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do have the backup as well, though, of course. Um, As I race through it to get to the credits page. (laughs) Jordi Belair writing with Paulina... uh, 
Ganachu? Ganachu? On art? Uh, apologies that I'm butchering your name. Uh, sure. I, I will say I'm not a fan of the art in this backup. I don't really like this story. I'm, you know how you're kind of like with the people falling through time? Yes. I'm, I'm just kind of over young Diana right now and all of the stuff on the island. Sure. And I get they want to show us the island. Sure. I, I, just, I, I have to admit, see when, see when Wonder Woman 84 came out? Obviously, that yeah. movie has so many more problems that are actually way more of an issue. Yeah. But I do remember having this kind of grown at the start when it was a Themyscira flashback. I went, oh, okay, I get it. Themyscira. Like, we always I, go back to Themyscira. It's like, it's overdone. Yeah. And that's why, again, I bring up the Rucka run all the time. But to me, that's the iconic Wonder Woman. I, I like that he had in Rebirth had made, like, Themyscira this unattainable place, yes. right? And she couldn't go back, so you couldn't just constantly lean on it. And so I, I understand them wanting to go back and tell stories of her childhood, but I'm kind of like, I don't know. This is fine for, like, an all-ages kind of book. Yeah, it's, it's Diana uh, riding know, her... Adventures of Young Diana. Yeah, it's Diana riding... But that's not my thing. It's Diana riding her kangaroo, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, jumper. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, that's basically... I, I actually was shocked at the end when it said to be continued. I thought this was a one-and-done. I thought this was just a, a little 10-page romp of her riding her kangaroo. Uh, but Diana mm-hmm. feels that she wants some responsibility. She wasn't like, she doesn't just want to learn things anymore. Uh, she wants a purpose, mm-hmm. and she's told at the end she's going to get to learn to be a storyteller. She's now going to tell the story of Themyscira. Uh, I will say this: when we come back to read the next issue of Wonder Woman, I will not be reading the continuation of this backup. I was not into this either, if I'm honest. I didn't hate it; like it yeah. didn't make me angry because, no. I, like you said, for something to hand like a, a small child, like to say hey to like a seven-year-old. Yeah. This is a perfect little fun thing and for them, but don't do it for me. Yeah, that, that's what I always talk about when people get so mad at the all ages line or the or the young, you know, young readers line. It's like, well, they're not for you, like you know, and that's fine. So I'm not mad at it, but I didn't enjoy reading it. Just like I, I don't think I would enjoy reading some of that, you know, young adult more featured stuff. And I think it comes down to a lot of the art too. I just, I'm not a fan of this overly kind of cartoon. I mean, I can sum it up in a, a phrase. Uh, I hate anime eyes. <laughs> I, you're not wrong. I'm, I'm along the same lines. I'm not, not yeah. a fan of that that style of it. And uh, But just like, it's cool they brought Jumpa back because that, like, that's a, a weird golden agey mm-hmm. element to Wonder Woman that we don't touch on too much. But yeah, it's just, okay, if you liked it, cool. I'm glad you liked it. But like Pete just said, if this is, the continuing backup for the next issue, then I'll probably just skim over it and, you know. Yes. Uh, what are you writing it. the backup? I'm going to give this a, a 6.5. Uh, I'll give it a 5. Uh, not super low, just, you know, straight down the middle because uh, it just really is not for me. It's not, it's not, it's not offensive though. There's nothing like, you know, upsetting yeah. about it by any means. So, uh, book as a whole, Matt. <sighs> Let me do my math. Uh, I think it's a seven. Yeah, I give the main story a seven. Uh, so I'll, I'll go six point five. I'll, I'll take off half the point for the the go. backup. What's weird though is that when I read an, at the next issue and I don't read the backup, I'm just I'm not even going to acknowledge mm-hmm. the backup when I'm considering my score. It'll just be whatever the main story is. Maybe that doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's how we're doing it. So <laughs> that's how we're doing it. Cool. All right, the Joker issue one, James Tyne the fourth with Gillen March on art. Now, the question that I have to ask first is, Matt, did you actually read this? <laughs> no. <laughs> I told you. 
I told you I'm not. Like, Gillen March and Joker. I'm, you I'm, tell me you're not going to read a lot of things. Yes, I know. Like Suicide Squad. But then I surprise you. <laughs> Curveball, 12 6. That's, that's, uh, but this that's one, the one, no. You I, I, as much as I am over young Diana, I don't want to see the Joker. The last two years, I am jokered out. Like, so you you tell me this. If, if I hear good things about James Gordon, maybe I'll pick it up and trade down the line. I mean, it is. It's a James uh, it's a James we'll... Gordon book through and through. Um, it's, there's a lot of references to year one, because if you remember, that was very heavily James mm-hmm. Gordon narrated, that book. Right. He talks right. about his last night in Chicago before he came to Gotham. Uh, the mm-hmm. openings, this uh, story of, like, you know, before he left, the, the old cop that worked there uh, came up to him. Because Gordon had put, in a, put put away a couple of a cro- crooked cops, you know, got got a few of them fired and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And this old cop comes up and... At first, then, Gordon sort of thought this too, the idea that, oh, he's going to sort of speak up against me for putting, you know, or, you know, allies behind bars or, or ratting them out or, or mm-hmm. whatever. But what he's actually trying to say you know he asked gordon if he believes in evil and the old cop tells him this story uh of basically what keeps him up at night now it was this crime where he was hunting the serial killer and he got to a crime scene and the killer was there and he was eating strips of skin off of this woman's face and he offered him a strip of skin and you don't see most of this for the record this is you know it's mostly just him telling this it, yeah and that's almost worse sometimes <laughs> you know because you're left with it yeah. in your in your head, and uh, this is tying in doing horror. Right? Yeah, there's, there's like, one panel yeah. of like from behind, and you sort of see the guy crouched down next to this woman's body, but you don't see like actual mm-hmm. strips of skin in his hand or anything like that. It's not right like that. But he basically says, you know, that, you know, do you believe in evil? And he talks about how you know there's the law, and then there's evil, and when you see evil, you aim for the head. And obviously, this is a prelude to the idea of what Jim now thinks of as the Joker. The idea that the Joker for Gordon is this evil, that he sometimes wakes up in the middle of the night and that kind of thing. Yeah, it, it it's kind of reminiscent of of uh, Killing Joke, mm. where where Joker's whole thing is everyone's just one bad day of, of turning into me, right? So uh, you know, we see Gordon; he's lying in bed, and like basically, the, all on the very very last page, the the Joker's presence in this book is just sort of the the idea that his presence is felt so that occasionally he'll be mm-hmm. in the background watching over Gordon, but he's not literally there. It's just like in Gordon's mind, like the idea that he's you know, right. Joker's weighing on his mind. Um, and he talks about obviously, you know, what happened to his, uh, his kids, both, both, both Babs and, and obviously James Gordon Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff connecting to the infinite frontier uh, issue zero with the, what they're calling a day, which is the death of Arkham mm-hmm. Asylum, which is the, the Joker's toxin going off. And they do they do right. clarify a couple of things here. One that it was a different strain that didn't cause any laughing; it just made them smile. So the idea was it was it was quiet; no one noticed it was happening until very late on. Gotcha. Um, and he mentions the one heroic you know guard who saved some nurses. He mentions that he turned them down mm-hmm. for the police force a few times, and maybe they misjudged them. That kind of thing. Um, he doesn't really mm. believe most of the deaths that have been reported because it's got them. Uh, the one he, he believes the least is Bane. Um, but it does say mm. here that presumed dead are Jeremiah Arkham and Jonathan Crane. Obviously, Crane's a nice tease for, you know, Scarecrow stuff that's going on. Batman. So that's yeah. neat. Uh, a little detail light is that Santa Prisca's, uh, there's like, like uh, graffiti art of Bane. Like, little Santa Prisca in Gotham is like, you know, honouring his memory, which is a nice little touch. Where, where did we see little Santa Prisca? That... 
That was the next Batman, right? The first issue? Yeah, that sounds right. Where they had the, the Banes running around. Um, was that the first time, or did... Did, um... Did King introduce that? My memory's terrible. I mean, we've, heard, we've definitely heard it before, because yeah. I recognized it when he said it, but... I, I couldn't tell yeah, you Yeah, well, was. yeah, okay. But I, I do like that that's a, an area of Gotham. Yeah. And, you know, and, and him... Uh, of course, him having a mural there, because he's, he, you know, a local kind of legend in Santa Fe. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of continuity stuff here. You know, Gordon has to go see the mayor at one point, and it's the you know, same mayor with the eye patch uh, that mm-hmm. we've had in other Gotham books. So there's a lot of ed- editorial, you know, connections going on between these books which is really nice and it helps that titan's also writing batman obviously uh yeah if nothing else uh but you know they want his help with something and gordon's like you know how about you just learn to trust batman and that basically ends the conversation uh and obviously gordon's still got a good relationship with batman uh, but the main premise of this book, once it gets going, uh, after all this establishing and world setting up of like where he is and what's been going on in Gotham, uh, which I mostly quite liked, to be honest. I thought it was fairly well told mm-hmm. uh, and it feels like a, a, a nice additional sort of book to uh, to Batman. It feels like a, a proper add-on to it. Uh, but when the plot really gets going, sort of in the back half of the book, uh, a mysterious woman with blonde hair pulls up in a limo and asks for you know a meeting with, with Gordon. And there's a big guy in a trench coat who, I'll be honest, like, I think it's a red herring, but it definitely looks like it's been in a trench coat and a hat <laughs> with, like, a scarf on to hide who he is. Uh, so, maybe, so... That man cannot be inconspicuous. He's built like well, Brian Cage. Well, funny about it, though, right? it, it looks like he did in the Batman and Robin, the movie, when he's got the, the coat on and the hat and the glasses... Oh, no. That, yeah, that's never good. Uh, I don't know. When you compare it... Uh, that's what it made me think of, and I'm sure it's intentional. Uh, now, whoever it is, yeah. we do see around the glasses. He's clearly like either burned or scarred. So again, I think it's a red. I think it's so obviously bane shaped that it has to be a swerve. It has to be someone else. But all I could think mm. as soon as he popped up was this is bane, uh, and maybe the scarring comes from like surviving the Joker toxin that you obviously get hit with. I don't know, but well, his jaw was like hanging <sighs> off. Bane's not dead though. Bane, Bane's coming back. You know he's coming back. I know, but like I'm trying to think of the scarring or if that you know I don't. Yeah, so, there's a lot of mystery elements here because she takes him to a mansion that she says it's a friend's mansion or a, a friend's family's mansion. She doesn't mm-hmm. reveal who she is. Uh, you know, she well, she gives him like a first name to call. Uh, uh, it was a weird name, Chris Chris Chrisida is her name. I think I'm pronouncing that right. See. C yeah, okay. R E S I D A, Cressida. Right. Uh, uh, uh But she essentially she says here, there's a photo of Joker in Belize. Uh, this was just after the the AD event, and she gives him all this intel about where Joker probably is, and essentially says, "Look, we want Joker taken out. Uh, we want him gone." And makes it very clear that they don't want him to be arrested, they want him to be killed. And that Gordon... Gordon, mm-hmm. Gordon says he's not a hitman, but she's like, no, that's why you're the perfect person for this job, because of the personal things that have happened to you, uh, because of who you are, you're the best person for this. We believe that you're better than hiring a hitman. And so... And she says, do you believe in evil, Jim? And obviously that ties back to that opening conversation in the, in the prologue, and right. he says, yes, I do. So it's this idea that Gordon, like, maybe could cross the line and just straight up murder the Joker because he believes it's the right thing to do. The idea that there's something so monstrous like the Joker 
like that serial killer, that, that old cop, which, and he hears actually towards the end of the issue that that old cop, uh, late, years later, committed suicide. He couldn't live with the, the horror that he, 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 they found, like, case files, like, he was trying to track down whoever it was, but he, they never found the guy, he got away, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, really, really, you know, simple, interesting eyes. And it gets to the end, and Joker's just in Belize, and he sort of laughs as he looks at the newspaper about the Arkham incident. You know, I, I feel like Tynan's obsessed with putting him in tropical beachwear. Yeah, he's because he's, Hawaiian got... shirt. He's got a hat on. Yeah, yeah, he's got the whole thing. Um, so I've I've sort of summarized the book pretty significantly at this point. So I guess the question is: Is that I actually like the book, and what do I think of things? Um, yeah, yeah. it's not bad. It's actually. I, I, I'm not necessarily sold on the ongoing plot of Gordon, like, hunting down Joker yet. I, I need to see what issue two is like with him actually tracking him down and what, what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. But as a decent attempt of, like, being a Gordon book, sort of, like, following up a lot of the, the Gordon threads and, like, his opinion of Batman right now, his opinion of Gotham, his opinion of the Joker, and the, the idea that the Joker's this, you know, that he's, he's, in, he's in Seven and Joker's the serial killer that he's obsessed with finding. Like, th- those ideas are pretty neat. Um... I think Gillen March's art is probably the least offensive for most of this book that I've seen it be in a while. Not to say that I love it or anything, but and there's definitely a couple of wonky pages, but because a lot of it's more kind of like subdued and it's people talking in the shadows, it, it, it's quite restrained and doesn't go as over the top with a lot of it. Um, you think that's because he had like a longer lead time? Maybe, maybe, maybe... Because typically he was brought in to like rush out some double shipping books and like help keep yeah. up with that schedule. I wonder yeah. if having a longer time for a monthly series per issue is benefiting him a little yeah. bit. Because I remember his art wasn't my thing, but I didn't think it was like totally terrible. And then some of those issues that we got earlier yeah, and Batman was yeah. was not good. Uh, yeah. that, that, that's here. So. I would say oh, I wouldn't say I'm in love with it, but. There's certainly pages that I was thinking, you know what, this art's kind of fitting the tone for what the, the book's doing in terms of this darker serial killer stuff. Um, you know, the one page where it truly goes wacky, but it's supposed to be wacky, is when Gordon's at James Gordon Jr.'s grave and there's like a giant mutated joker like over the top of it. But it's supposed to be kind of, you know, wonky and surreal right. and otherworldly. Well, th- things are nightmares, yeah. right? Like- um so it's kind of like I like the vibe that it's going for. I don't think I think just ultimately March's like line work just isn't to my taste. But it's not like it's you know it's not that that page of Riddler with the spine. It's not uh you know all, God, all those monstrosities that he had in that, that Batman run that we really really hated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know maybe being on a monthly book is is doing better for him. Like you know I. I Mm-hmm. There's, is there better picks and picks that are better to my taste? Absolutely, but it's not. It's definitely not the worst of them. I, I would say this is perfectly serviceable, if not in places suitable art. If not, you know, I wouldn't would say good necessarily, but I'd say suitable art for what the, the book's doing. Um, mm-hmm. but certainly not a complete eyesore like it has been in the past. Uh, it's good. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I love a garden book. I mean, the truth is, it's a, it's a garden book. And but calling it Jim Gordon issue one wasn't going to sell a lot of copies. Calling it Joker issue one does. However, I would have sold one more because I probably would have picked it up if it was Jim Gordon number yes, one. Yes, but how many other thousands you know? of people would have not bought it? <laughs> I don't know. Probably a lot. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say a lot. 
Um, I, I think this is a case of, no, they wanted to tell this Jim Gordon story about him hunting down the Joker, which is a really cool concept on, in theory, uh, but calling it Gordon or calling it whatever else doesn't make it sell copies. Calling it Joker does. That, that, this is the same as calling it Batman and the Outsiders. Calling it the Outsiders doesn't yeah, sell I copies. Know. I just, I, you know, as much as I get tired of Batman, I'm not as much, because I'll still read Batman, but Joker, I've just... Again, over the last two years. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I'm not going to give it, like, a super, like you know, off-the-charts recommendation, but it's not, it's not, I'm not saying to avoid it either. If you're interested in the concept and you like Jim Gordon as a character, um, I, I don't think you're going to have a two, at least with this issue. I mean, who knows? The story could go off the rails, but I mean, keep in mind, it is Tynan who's writing it, who typically does a good job, and his Joker stuff mm-hmm. as well has been typically solid, so it's it's not yeah. like uh, I'm, I'm expecting it to go off the rails. It's just a question of how far does it push Jim Gordon, and you know, if he is presented with the opportunity to kill the Joker, like, what does he do in that moment? And I'm curious to see how Tynan wraps it up. So, uh, believe it or not, I am going to read issue two of, of Joker. Um, I, I think this, yeah. was, this was a fine first issue. Just based off of the story that you just said, it sounds good, yeah. you know? So, I don't know, maybe it'll round in shape and I'll have to go back and check and it not out. Not perfect, but... Certainly a lot there to mm-hmm. like. Um, obviously, we have the mystery of who this mysterious Cursetta, uh, whatever name was, uh, and yeah. who, who the Bane-looking dude is, and like, who's hiring Jim in this case. Uh, specifically, obviously, there's an implication that, you know, even the, the, the criminals of the world want Joker gone because he's just bad for business, but uh, I lot to go on there. As much as I like Dwarf Jokes and Riddles, I always felt like Bane is a better counterpoint to to Joker because he's so similar to Batman, mm. you know? Uh, so if this ends up setting up a, a, a feud between Bane and Joker, I'm, I'm kind of here for that. Uh, that's it, though. That's I expect cool. it not to be Bane and Bane. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that's it, though. Bane is mentioned a lot when they talk about his mural and stuff, so maybe it is foreshadowing that Bane will be involved in some way. Or or, or maybe it's, it's the spirit of Bane, and that Bane's gone, but it's going to pass on to someone else, you know, kind of, who crawled up out of little Santa Prisca. No, I mean, why not have it was just, a it was just, from it was the way you said that was spir- as if his spirit's literally going to another body. No, you just mean the mantle. Someone yeah. takes up the mantle. Yeah, yeah. the mantle of, of him. But, you know, because I do love his origin that, you know, that he, you know, he was in prison because of his dad and, you know, the whole sins of the father paid upon the son mm-hmm. and that whole idea. And that's what, you know, he rose up out of that and became this guy. So the idea that you could have someone rise out of, you know, little Santa Prisca in Gotham, I just, I kind of like that. That's, uh, and who knows? That's probably not what they're going to do. But now it's out there and something I want to see. No, there's things to like here. I think if you're a fan of, like, more books in a corner of the universe, in this case Gotham, that feel like they're all connected and they're all feeding off mm-hmm. each other. Uh, so I, I'm going to give the main story here a seven. Uh Mm-hmm. I think it's funny because I think conceptually I'm more into this than the Wonder Woman book. Although the Wonder Woman book obviously had much better art and other things going for it, but mm-hmm. um, but yes. So yeah, I'm not I'm not against it. It's an interesting tactic to take, and uh, I like Gordon getting the spotlight. Uh, the backup story, which this does have, I'd forgotten this had one because uh, mm-hmm. I misjudged how long yeah. it was going to take me to read my books this week <laughs> because there's so many goddamn backups. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is a punchline story, uh, following on from the punchline special. This is Sam Johns and James Ty in the fourth writing, uh, with art by uh, Mirka and Dolfo. So the art's pretty solid, as you'd expect. Uh, Ooh, I did not realize Andolfo was doing that. Yeah. 
Uh, so the whole idea is that uh, Punchline's court case is going on, and we, we knew from before that she was sort of amassing a, a cult following who were kind of speaking out on her behalf, mm-hmm. and she was pleading not guilty. Leslie Tompkins is there, uh, Harper Rose there, and basically one of the, the, the witnesses, the key witnesses against Punchline has been killed, turned up dead in the river, as as is Gotham's way. Oh no. Uh, and basically, Leslie thinks that there may be a lot of good dirt on her because she's not always been punchline. There was a time before she was punchline where she was just doing stuff mm-hmm. on campus. She was using public library computers. There was people there that maybe able to talk about who she was before she became punchline and get some dirt on her that way. So she sends uh, Harper, but everyone knows that Harper's working for Leslie. So she says that it'd be better if Bluebird went. So it sets up that she's going to be going and investigating his Bluebird. Oh man! <laughs> You're into this. You want it. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to read punchline because I'm like, yeah. But you throw Harper in there, mm-hmm. and she's been so underutilized. Yep. Like that's that's uh, the, that's the man. thing. The, the The main story is a Jim Gordon story. The backup is. I mean, I'd say it's maybe more of a punchline story than it is than the main story is a Joker story, but it's yeah. definitely also a, a Harper Row story. Well, and this has Mark Andolfo art, yes. so I wouldn't even have to struggle through. Ah oh, man. Maybe my shop will just let me read it when it comes out in the store. Mm, maybe. Oh, man. Yeah, just, uh, just have a big sign saying, I'm vaccinated, let me stand here and read, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we see uh, Punchline in prison. There's a, a, a playing card, an ace of spades is left on her on her bed. And she's like, what the hell is this? And her, her cellmate's like, oh, that's the queen of spades. Um, and I, I was thinking a huntress from Future State because I mean I was queen of clubs I think, but that same that kind of idea. Right. Uh, I was like, no, this is like basically she expects a, a a tribute. Well, you know, maybe a snack that you've got, some you know, whatever, so anything you can give her. And she's like, are you serious? Like I'm not like, where is she? Where is this bitch? And she walks down to her cell, and this you know queen of spades uh, acts all tough and is like, yeah, no, you're gonna give me whatever I want. Uh, and she's like, you know why they call me Punchline? As she's got her fist coming towards the camera. <laughs> uh, and knocks her ass out. And her, and her henchwomen are just kind of standing there. I, I don't think I want to get involved in this. And Punchline's got her blood all over her fists. And she's sort of wiping blood off her nose as she's smiling. Um, and that, that's all we get her in prison. Uh, the other stuff is Harper. Uh, this was something that was set up in the special. Is that her brother is like, Beat falling in with a bad crowd to support Punchline because uh, one of the guys is like sort of flirting with him, uh, and he's sort of you know she's like, hey, I'm going to be gone for a few days, you know, can you not bring any of your new friends over to the apartment? And it's like, yeah, 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 leave me alone, stop babysitting me. So they've got a conflict, uh, but it, you know, so that, that's one of the things I liked about that Punchline special is it, is it did feel like it was setting up a lot of plot beats that clearly was you know, and it was leading to this this backup story that they're going to be doing. Uh, so the last page of the issue is like Harper after after this sort of you know bittersweet interaction with her brother, this made her worried. She goes to her, her bike, opens her little uh, pouch, and there's the masks in there, the bluebird mask, and it's like okay, it's time to go and investigate. So, um, yeah, I, I mean yeah, it's a solid. Uh, if I had, this was one of the few backups this week where I felt like now nah, I kind of wish it was just a full twenty page story. Uh, it feels like it does kind of end just after like you know half of a story, but. Uh, that's maybe a good sign in the sense that I'm I like it and I want to read more of it. So, um, I, I like and like you said, I'm I'm happy Harper is getting some spotlight. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice actually. It's nice that we can maybe I don't know if it's necessarily going to be Nemesis style thing, but like I'm okay with Punchline kind of turning into Harper Rose Nemesis 
that'd be that'd be kind of cool of her yeah. to have that uh as a yeah. as a thing and uh, as long as punchline stays a villain oh sure right? like we have harley on the straight and narrow you know, I don't want her to become an anti-hero. Oh no, I I think um, well, I think that's the beauty of the the meta narrative that's going on here is that Punchline's presenting herself mm-hmm. as a as a anti-hero to her fan right. base, but we know that she's really just a horrible, manipulative person. Right. Uh, right. So mm. that's neat. And yeah, the art starts uh, obviously much better than the main story. And Dolfo's art is really solid. Um, and it's funny because people said, uh, you know, I said I hate anime eyes in the Wonder Woman backup review, and some may accuse Andolfo mm-hmm. of having and. I guess I shouldn't say I hate anime eyes. I I hate a certain type of anime eyes. Is maybe more accurate. Yeah, uh, I know what you mean. Because there are a little anime uh, here too, but there are different. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is, is, anime has more than one style, even though there's a, a kind of umbrella. There's there's a line. Yeah, yeah there's there's a line. You kind of know it. You know it when you yes. see it. Because yeah. Yes, absolutely. So no, uh, yeah, not a whole lot of advancement, but a lot of setup in this backup story, uh, and I was into it. So it's kind of weird to rate these because, on the one hand, I'm like, well, if this was a full issue's worth, I'd be like, ah, it's probably just a seven because I didn't feel like I got enough advancement. But it's also only mm-hmm. ten pages, so how do I rate it? Like, should I criticize if we're not advancing enough? I'm not sure. Uh, so I'm going to go seven point okay. five in this case. But okay, uh, I dug it. I'm, I'm looking forward to more. So this, this should be a nice treat at the end of each. Uh, uh, Joker issue. So I was a seven seven point five. I'll you know I'll give the whole thing a seven point five as a whole. I, I think ultimately it kind of rounds up to being better than I think we'd expect. And I get that a lot of people are cynical about there being a Joker book, but um, I, conceptually it's interesting and it's really a Jim Gordon book. So you, you take that knife out. Now you yes. get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there you go. That's a uh, Joker issue one. Uh, it's it's not half bad, honestly. So, um, mm-hmm. but hey. Batman Urban Legends issue one, uh, our new anthology book, uh, all 70 pages of it. <laughs> um, so this is two full-size stories and two, uh, I didn't count the pages, but they're about 10 each, I think, uh, just from the... There's, there's a lot. There's the, a lot of them feel longer than the others. Some of them feel shorter. So I'm sure there's yeah differing page counts. It, it was basically, there's a, the, um, the, the first and last stories were the 20 pages and then the two in the middle were... Uh, yeah. 10 each yeah so the first one and this is the thing obviously it's the first issue so i think we both read all of this and you know going forward yeah. you know issue two maybe we'd skip one or two if we didn't like one or two of the stories or whatever but yeah so i definitely feel like some of them are going to be not every time so yes. like we know like the red hood one we know that's six issues worth right same with uh, the grifter one As which said, is one of five I, I, and then yeah. the grifter one as well um uh, the the two inside, I feel like they can shift. Like especially, we'll we'll talk about the Harley and Ivy one, uh, but but yeah. So I wasn't gonna read all of these, and then I started seeing what they were, mm-hmm. and like I don't want another Red Hood story. But Zadarsky's been good, so I took a chance on it. Um, and it was really good. And, is what and, you're gonna say? <laughs> it was. I hate it. I hate it. Again, this goes into there's no such thing as bad characters. Yes. Right, just bad takes. And man, I don't like that they're making me like Jason. Uh, yeah, between, between Tom Taylor and now Chip yeah, Zarsky. Tom Taylor, the future state stuff, and now Chip Zarsky. Because it's Chip Zarsky and. Uh, oh, yeah, and Williamson. Oh, and, and let yeah. me just read the. the so Chip Zarsky's writing this. Eddie Barrows and Abir Ferreira are the artists. This is uh, called Cheer. This uh, Red Hood six part story. Um, mm-hmm. So Zarsky, you know, I've, I've loved what I've read of his Daredevil. Um, 
yeah. there's definitely some shades of that in here. Um, now, I wasn't necessarily in love with this story at first. It was like, okay, so Red Hood's tracking down some mm -hmm. dude. There's some new drug on the streets of Gotham called, uh, called uh, Cheerdrops. Cheer uh, and he's hunting it down. He's using rubber bullets because he knows that if he uses real bullets in Gotham, that Batman's going to come. It's, it's not that he's made a deal with Batman. He just knows that this will keep Batman no. off his back. He. That's what I love the most, yeah. right? So, like, I like when Red Hood is, like, when he was first introduced by Judd Winnick, or reintroduced, you could say, he was kind of like DC's Punisher. Um, but it was almost like to spite Batman. Like, he was like, oh, you failed me, so now I'm going to fail you. And I like here that it's more of a bother. Whereas, like, yeah, I could just ice these dudes, but uh, then I'm going to have Batman on my back, and I just, I don't feel like it. Uh, so I do love that wrinkle, and I could feel that intent. And he didn't even have to say it, mm -hmm. right? You just kind of get the vibe from it. Yeah. So um, man, Zdarsky, he was a good artist. He's really shaped. He could do a really great uh, writer. Yeah, because obviously there's nothing special point. about the opening few pages, and then you get like a flashback to oh. uh, Jason being a little shit and not wanting to train and and I, being kind of like obsessed with the the gun closet that batman has mm -hmm. which you know obviously he says why do you have all these guns he's like well because i have to understand how to disarm people i have to understand how to do forensics on them do there's other there's reasons for me to understand that no guns that isn't using them uh yeah well and i don't think you mentioned it the flashback is done it's it's marcus yeah, different artist, yeah. uh is a different artist and it and the the art styles match perfectly right like they they complement each other well where you have barrows uh, which is kind of a little bit darker and stuff in the, the flashback, a lot more clean lines, mm -hmm. and it's almost reminiscent of a of a simpler time. Yeah, because it's maybe right? harking back to these earlier Jason Todd years. Yeah. Um, and obviously Batman's investigating some of these. Uh, you know, there's a, one of the guys on the drugs. You know, essentially, is yep. at the edge of a roof, and the police try to talk him down. Yeah. So, you you find out that the the drug is a is a spinoff of almost of the the fear gas, except it does the opposite where it kind of makes you all makes like, you too happy almost kind of like too, yeah like, like almost yeah. like black mercy right where it kind of gives you what you want to see but it makes you hallucinate and it can put you into some real bad situations and that's where we see batman save this dude who kind of swan dives off the top of a building yeah, because obviously jason says this he says that people are getting into like trouble because mm -hmm. they're walking onto the road or they're get into dangerous but then mm -hmm. we get this example of it with batman and it does a really good job of like mm -hmm. set, establishing that this is in you know again the current day gotham uh oracle you know is is in this as well where jason yep. calls oracle for help with the situation that pops up where this actually got good because it wasn't bad up to this point it was it was perfectly fine no, but where it kind of started to when I, when I obviously i loved oracle being a part of it and talking to both both, yeah. both you know red to then right. where it got its heart and where I went, Zarsky, you son of a bitch, you're making me like this story enough that I, I have to read more of it, is when Jason comes across this kid, when he's tracking down where these drugs are coming from, and this little boy, his mother's OD'd on the drug. And it, it wasn't even this point yet. I mean, this works, don't get me wrong, it works because his own mom OD'd, so he's being nice to this kid, he's looking mm -hmm. after him, he's asking Oracle to track down the father, but the father's one of the people who are involved in making the drug, or at least distributing the drug. And he goes looking for him, and there's a scene where they're in the alleyway and he gives uh like so because obviously the, the mouth part of his mask comes off and he's just got the eye part and he gives the kid the mouth part he's like hey now you're a superhero too so i need you to be a superhero and stay mm -hmm. here and he's like so and he's like can i pick my own superhero name and he's like yeah you can of course you can he's like, and by the way if anything goes wrong if anything comes up just say oracle i need help right because obviously his communicator is on his mask and he's like 
Cool, so mm -hmm. you're going to be good? And he's like, yeah, so what's your superhero name? And he's like, well, what's yours? And he's like, I I'm, well, I'm the Red Hood. And he goes, well, I'm the Blue Hood then. I like blue. And I'm like, yeah. uh, do you know what? I hate how much, and because I think it's the art as well, because like Jason's like sort of smile, he's almost tearing up as he's looking mm -hmm. down. I'm in the pouring rain. He's just looking down at this kid. I'm like, oh god, you're, you're you're making me like Jason, like a like like someone like Joel from The Last of Us, or like uh, you know any kind of antihero character who becomes kind of a begrudging father figure, like. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, Zarsky, no, this, don't make me like Jason, you yeah. prick. <laughs> this is not typical of a Jason story, right? <laughs> this is something that I might see out of out of Dick Grayson, right? So he's in, picks up the kid, but we, we know from his history, like, that's not outside the realm. But with Jason, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, of course he would try to shelter this kid because this is him. And it just the, the idea right? that this kid is looking up, to, and even though he doesn't really know who he is before, that very quickly oh. he's idolizing him, so... To this kid, mm -hmm. he's becoming the Batman to this kid. So this kid's like, I want to be Blue Hood. I want to be your sidekick. I want to be mm -hmm. something that is an, inspired by you. So that rea right. this reaction from Jason feels very genuine. And I'm like, damn you. Because it was this point in the book where this this moment happens where I'm like, shit, this is actually really good. This isn't, this, this isn't just fine. Because up yeah. until this point, it was perfectly fine and I was enjoying it well enough. Yeah. But this was the point where I'm like, damn it, this is actually really good. For, for me, it's when he gave the mask to the kid and said, if you get into trouble to say oracle i need help and it's just like he's he's giving the kid like agency in this right like yeah you know, and, and yeah. the art is really you know like when the next page when he's looking up at the building and the lightning is striking above it's just the art is pretty mm -hmm. gorgeous honestly that's eddie barrow's art is really good yeah. um and he goes yeah. and he fights everyone and he actually chases down the dad who runs he has some of the rubber bullet mm -hmm. the guy drops his gun which is important because when the dad says, oh, I don't care if that kid lives or dies, he was a little leech, so was his mother. Um, uh, you know, sometimes I'd give him the drug just to, like, you know, keep him happy and, like, off my back. And Jason, uh... that's what makes Jason so angry at the end of this story is that he picks up his gun, which is obviously using real bullets, and shoots him multiple times in the yeah. chest. And he does have a moment, of course, where he's like, oh, God, what have I just done? But the idea that we're ending this story with Jason going back to killing someone because he's like upset him that much because this guy, I mean, this guy's a turd, mm -hmm. you know, this guy's so yeah. Know, vile. Yeah. No, no one's going to miss him. You but know? it's the idea of, okay, because you know, we, we kind of glossed over that Batman has a conversation with Oracle in the middle of the issue that he's not happy that Jason's mm -hmm. investigating this because oh, Jason's a killer and I'm not really excited about working with him. Um, but, you know, and the fact that we even end this this uh, issue, the, the panel of Jason, like, on his knees next to this dead body, it, I, I can't help but notice that it's in an alleyway, it's raining, and it, it's it's very reminiscent mm. of the, the, the Wayne murders, the way he's, like, you know, sitting there. He's a set, he's effectively just Joe Chilled, this guy's dad, even though, sure, we know that this, this kid's parents were shitty and he's well, arguably better off without them in a lot of ways, but... Yeah, but you, you don't get the vibe that, like, the kid thinks the dad's a bad dad. Sure, yeah, yeah, of course. Right? Because he's just like, oh, I know where my dad works. And, and yeah, so, like, and then to, to see what the dad says, and you're just like, oh, man. Uh, yeah. So, and then when he says that he gave him the, the thing just to keep him out of his hair. And I don't know, this dude's got to be dropped off a roof. Yeah. You know? that, like. This was the perfect type of story to tell with Jason, and then it makes him sympathetic but he does go that one step further, which is both like cathartic for us because we completely sympathize with why he does this, but also because you know it is Batman's world and we know that killing's over this line, and he feels that he feels that he's done that immediately. Uh, so 
this is the perfect kind of like you know like what's batman going to do when he finds out about this uh you imagine there's protecting this kid's going to be a big part of this arc i can't i hate how good this was <laughs> yeah i know damn it zadarsky oh, how dare you zadarsky you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> You son of a bitch. It's really funny yeah. right now that, uh, you know, Taylor's going to be on Nightwing, Red Hood's getting good stories, Damien's got a new book by Williamson. You know, just Tim. Just Tim's, uh... But, you know, after, <laughs> after the, all these all these years of, like, we had King on Batman and kind of, like, everything kind of had to stem from that, and, like, Batgirl was kind of inconsistent, and Nightwing was, was fine up until they made that really bad decision. You know, Tim wasn't kind of anywhere to be found. I'm I'm enjoying the fact that Gotham feels like it's all taking place in the right in the same spot. Yes. You know, like this very much feels like you know not just because Oracle's there, but there is some consistency finally to that neck. And I don't know if that's editorial. I don't know if that's just you know tying and setting things up right in his book or or whatever it is. I just but, wonder. Yeah, I wonder if under the old regime there was too many blocks for things that stopped a lot of. Mm-hmm. you know coherent you know yeah. collaboration between books and editorial teams and, and whatever because yeah. Yeah, we, we I, heard a lot of horror stories of you know uh, i think it was meerkhead scott uh who wasn't invited to the bat family meeting mm-hmm. of writers like wait, she's writing Batgirl. Yeah. why is she not at that meeting like talking about you know right. keeping everything in sync with each other i, I don't know um, right and so like and, and this is where like this is the type of continuity that i like like you don't have to read everything right but the fact like Oracle's popping up here and then she's filling the same role as she did last week in Batman, you know, where she feels like she's part of the It feels like a breathing world. Yeah. It's not a thing where yeah. even if you only read the books that you think are good enough for you to read, mm-hmm. the fact that there's still going to be some stuff sprinkled in it, you don't feel bad that you've missed some sprinklings in other books, but if you do mm-hmm. read them and you do like them, you're going to be excited by the fact that everything is feeling like a part of a living, breathing world that all links and connects and yep. whatnot. Uh, but no, I, I think this tying into Jason's unsheltered trauma, him being sympathetic with this kid, the ending being the perfect kind of he's went too far. Uh, but we're, we're, bizarrely, this puts us in a place where when Batman comes after him for doing this, we're kind of going to be rooting for him to like sort of prove to Batman that, like, okay, Kelly's yeah. wrong, sure, but Oops. like m- maybe let's not overreact here. Uh, or, or I don't know. But anyway. Right. Uh, <laughs> He, he fell and the gun went off. <laughs> uh, and Batman knows he's Six and Batman times. knows he's he's tra- uh, he's tracking down this drug. So he's already got. So even if he comes to this crime scene, right. there's going to be a connection with Jason before he's even started looking at anything. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. know, a lot going on there. What were you rating this story? Uh, I'm giving this an eight point five. Yeah, I, I have to agree with the 8.5, uh, which is notably the highest thing I've rated so far this week, which is shocking. <laughs> shocking. Zarsky, you son of a bitch. Get, get Zarsky on a full-time DC contract, please. Put, if he can do this for Red Hood, he can do wonders for anyone. He, he also did a Jimmy story that was really good, too. So, like, there, it's not just yeah. the, the dark kind of daredevil things, like you said, but there was a, you know... That Jimmy Olsen story was real good, too. Yeah, all right. So the next story was the Harley and Ivy story, which was Harley remembering their first sort of date and time together, uh, stealing stuff from the mm-hmm. Aceberg Lounge. 
uh, bonding over plants, and she's back in their lair in present day, though, being kind of miserable that Ivy's gone and looking at the old photos and mm-hmm. uh, basically missing her, uh, and that's kind of it. So yeah. uh, that's basically the whole thing. Um, but you, you do get to see them uh, flirt, and you get to see them kiss and mm-hmm. say I love you for mm-hmm. the first time. It's basically a romance. Yeah, story. and just the whole idea, like the plant represented their relationship, mm. and like she finds it again later, and they're different people now, but like it can still be nursed back. Like there's still that promise of, yep. of it, it, you know, it'll be okay. And like the Laura Braga art is just, I think it fits really well with this small story. And then yeah, it's the, the reason I want to talk well, about hold on this a second, is, just a, uh, Stephanie Phillips yeah, is also writing yeah. that just since you mentioned the artist. That's what I was going to say. Stephanie Phillips doing Harley. And yet I see the ad for the art in Harley. And like, I really like this story. I thought the voice for Harley is it's where where I enjoy Harley, and and then I look over mm-hmm. and this kind of makes me upset because I think I would enjoy Stephanie Phillips Harley, but I'm not going to read it because the art, <laughs> you know. So I, Joe, I had a bit of a stupid moment at the end of this because I got to it says to be continued in the pages of Harley Quinn and Batman, yep. and I went they have not announced a Harley Quinn and Batman book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and since I caught up in Catwoman, I kind of know what, what Ivy's going to be up to, Sure, you know? Yeah. So talking about that sense of a, of a linked world, there's that at play yeah. as well. And we saw Harley you know, last week in Batman. I mean, Har- like, Harley's, keep up, jumping on the yeah, Harley's been a staple in Batman so, for a while. And I've been enjoying her inclusion yeah. in Batman for the most part. So, uh, that's cool. So yeah. this is just a one and done. So this will have a different, this will be replaced next time yep. with another 10 page story. By something else. Yeah. But no, I, I really enjoyed the story. It was a nice, simple just kind of Harley reminiscing and, you know, nice imagery. So, yeah. What are you giving it? Uh, I'm going to give this a 7.5. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what to give that, because I, I thought it was perfectly fine. I, I'm not maybe as invested into the Harley-Ivy relationship as other people are, but mm-hmm. um, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I'll, I'll just go with a straight 7. It was just good. I, I have no passion for it, but I have nothing to really complain about. Mm-hmm. So 7 out of 10 is kind of where I fall on that. Yeah. Uh Mm-hmm. Uh, next story is the first part of a three-part outsider story, um, and Black Lightning is trapped somewhere in a tower, but he's talking to Metamorpho, as if Metamorpho's in another cell, which is notable because the reveal at the end of the story, of course, is that the entire tower is Metamorpho, uh, which is a neat twist, <laughs> I think. This is this is not my outsiders I tend to enjoy. Like, yeah, these are the characters, um, but this was just like, I don't know. I felt weird. You went into this? You enjoy um, this one? I don't say I didn't enjoy it. I'm going to finish reading the, the story, but I guess I'm just so used to the outsiders that we've been getting. That was that, you know, Brian Hill, mm. you know, ruggedness. This definitely feels like the outsiders from the late eighties, early nineties. Um, I mean, they're, they're fighting ninjas on jet skis, right? And boats. They, they are. That's uh, when we flash back to the when we flash back to the afternoon. Uh, we get them on jet yeah. skis, uh, and there's some good mm-hmm. action here. You know, uh, lightning's like stopping yeah. like poisonous arrows. At one point, Katana does it as well mm-hmm. uh, with her blade, uh, and it's all yeah. just kind of kind of fight. And Metamorpho's coming after them. Um, yeah. It sounds like Katana gets taken off to like fight an army by herself. Um, and the end of the story is is Jefferson saying, "Hey, are you ready to regain control?" And he, he sort of you know blasts lightning through the building yeah. to wake up Metamorpho. Right. 
so the final page is this and full was... page spread of like the the building with a mouth and eyes kind of screaming mm-hmm. as the lightning's coming through it he's like wake up so we can yeah. give them payback um so uh, just for the record this is brandon thomas writing with max dunbar on the art yeah it it's perfectly fine i don't want to you know kill it for not being what i was expecting for outsiders because i was not expecting metamorpho building and and black lightning trapped inside you know in in a prison fashion so i'm gonna check it back out but it was just yeah it was weird was not expecting this type of story for outsiders. I mean, it's still, you know, Katana and Black Lightning, which has kind of been the core thing, you know, selling the future mm-hmm. state uh, uh, yeah. story it was. So, I think it felt like a slightly different thing, but it didn't feel that different to me. Obviously, the art and the action was so good in that future state story that, yes, this doesn't quite live up yeah. to that. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll concede right. that. <laughs> I mean, this is... Uh, but yeah, I, I, think, I think it was perfectly fine. Um, uh, I, I, thought, I thought that final page was a lot of fun, and... Uh, yeah, so I'm curious to see what the actual conflict is because it kind of holds it back for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we'll see. Yeah. But, um, but again, it's one of these weird things where it's hard to judge a ten-page story when it's part one of three because it's like how much. Uh, this is why talking about the digital books is so tough when they only do the ten. Which mm-hmm. is why we're waiting for the full physical issues worth before we're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, for what sure. are you rating this? Uh... I, I'll, give, I'll give this a seven. It's it's fine. Uh. Yeah, I'll also give it a seven. Uh, um, you know, I, 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 if I come out of uh, these ten-page stories with sevens, I'm fairly happy enough. It's, it's when they start mm-hmm. to dip lower into the the more, oh, this was a chore to read territory. Uh, yeah. So the final story in the book is the the Grifter story, which starts with a flashback, mm-hmm. uh, to him during this big fight in Midway City, where his brother's also there, and they're in this losing battle. Uh, people are dying around him eventually the superheroes show up and we see all these wishing lines go past and like oh finally you know like we're saved mm-hmm. uh but it comes to present day and he's hired as a bodyguard for lucius fox um and it starts mm-hmm. off with would you believe it grifter messing up because he sees two guys get out of a car and he thinks oh these two look suspicious so i'm going to take them on and he uh-huh. gets into a fight and it turns out that these are actually just more bodyguards for the guy that lucius is meeting they just didn't come in the helicopter with them yeah who is the prime minister of a country, <laughs> right? Or a foreign minister of some kind. Yes. And then Grifter t- tackles him into the yeah, pool. Yeah, Kurlenko is the uh, name of the, the yeah, minister. Kurlenko, prime minister yeah. Kurlen- Kurlenko. I can't say that properly. There you go. Um, yeah. But there's a joke here where he's like, hey, you know, if, if, if I messed up this deal, you know, t- you know, dock my pay for the losses. And Lucius is like, it was $1.3 billion. Yeah, oh, you make, yeah. Matt, you're uh, make. Okay, maybe, you're right. Speaking of things messing up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he spits out his drink. It's, it's, it's a glorious moment. So we'll start a payment plan. <laughs> you start a payment plan. That's what I was trying to say when my mic went rogue. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Rosenberg has a... I don't like Grifter as a character, right? He hasn't won me over mm-hmm. yet. However, the dialogue that he has with... Anytime him and Lucius are together... Yes. Because they're such an odd couple, I, it's spot on. And maybe over the course of these six issues of the story... They'll win me over, but you know, through, through what was he in Dark Detective, you know, for for two issues yeah, of that. that was, yeah. And and this, uh, so far not so much, but it I did get a good laugh out of that, and just I also the, just his total vibe. Yeah, I, I mean, it's know? a classic case of like I think we're enjoying this because of the writer's voice rather than because the character is someone that mm-hmm. we would latch onto. Yeah. And if it's still the case at the end that that's how we feel, then that's fine. 
Um, mm-hmm. But you also mentioned that he's talking to someone on comms earlier on, you know, when he's going to tackle the guards. There's, there's someone mm-hmm. making fun of him uh, over the comms, talking about how, you know, no ladies want to be with him, and uh, he's the best mm-hmm. at what he does, except Deathstroke and Shiva, and, you know, lists a few other assassins. Yeah. Uh, which I, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I, got, I got a chuckle yeah, out of that. Yeah. Uh, we don't actually get a reveal for who he's talking to uh, by the end of the issue, but it's obviously an ongoing mystery. Um, but we do get him going to see uh, Penguin. Uh, there's a funny little page where the guards like disarming him, and he's got like a bunch of different like tiny weapons, including a grenade on him. And he's kind of reacting as the guards getting more and more annoyed at him. Uh, but Nora Freeze is at this uh, meeting weird yeah i think we heard a while ago that she was going to be around like she she was up and she was going to be a, a mm-hmm. feature of some kind um but they, ha- they have whatever meeting they have um we don't really get to see the ending of it but um i mean the voice on the comms is definitely uh well it's not definitely a woman necessarily but i don't think drifters mm-hmm. uh bisexual or gay or whatever so i, I assume it's a woman yeah. because they say they're horny <laughs> when, when they're asking yeah. grifter to come over uh, but Batman comes up for a fight. Uh, I kind of one thing I do kind of dig about Grifter so far in Rosenberg's voice is the idea that he's kind of a a, a screw up, and as he's fighting Batman, mm-hmm. he keeps thinking he's got the upper hand, but he keeps just getting the shit beat out of him, and it's kind yep. of amusing. It it kind of reminded me a little bit of of Clint Barton, but, uh, a little Hawkeye. bit, a little bit, a little tiny bit, a little tiny bit. Uh, he's kind of that screw up lead character who. He keeps thinking over. He's in over his head, uh, but he does actually steal a badge. Uh, when he's there to protect Lucius Fox, he sort of mm-hmm. like he gets told to take the afternoon off because he's been useless. Uh, what a shock! Uh, and he's going to snoop around in the private computers. And then the end of the issue is Batman and Nightwing have been called to a crime scene, uh, where the body of Nora Freeze is in the what? Which first of all. Mr. Freeze is not going to be delighted when he hears about this. See, not at all. Especially, wasn't Mr. Freeze one of the guys in that opening battle scene firing off his freeze gun? I feel like I remember that being a thing. Uh, I will say this ending was like so out of nowhere. I was like, wait, this is going to be a murder mystery about who killed Nora Freeze? What now? Maybe. (laughs) I was not expecting that. Uh, But I'm, I'm, I'm curious. They've got me curious. Mm. That's that's snooping. I'm looking. I'm, I'm looking for freeze. But yeah, he's he's yeah, in there. I thought I saw him years years ago. So curious. But yeah, curious. She she was kept alive in a tank for so long. <laughs> She's yeah. been murdered seemingly. I mean, and of course we never saw the ending of that meeting with Penguin, so we we don't know. Uh, how, how you know what, what how that ended? It didn't seem like he just murdered someone when he walked out of it, but uh, you know, yeah, it, it just kind of ends in a yeah, it ends in a cliffhanger, uh, where it, you know Penguin brings up the name Merlot and Drifter, you know, grabs a gun from one of the guards or from Penguin himself, whoever it is, and it ends in a kind of a standoff, and then it just cuts to him sort of leaving the building. So we don't actually know, and obviously I think that's intentionally vague, so that we think, oh, maybe he did murder Nora Freeze. Obviously, I don't think he actually did, but... Well, I'm trying to look up how she came back to life. Um, it right? doesn't... Su- it... See if maybe this is just a red herring. Well, that's the thing. This didn't you surprise know? me. This definitely came up at some point. I don't know yeah. if it was in a book that we read, or it was just in the news that Nora Freeze was like up and around. 
but it definitely came up. So it says in, yeah, it says in the rebirth it says Nora from New Fifty Two had been retconned, so they got rid of that whole thing yes. where it, it they weren't actually married. He was just obsessive. Uh, similar to the animated series, uh, she was a talented ballerina. Discovered she had an incurable disease. Uh, so several years later, after the events of Year of the Villain, Luther gives Mister Freeze a vial that would cure her and furthermore revive his frozen wife. Mister Freeze had kidnapped several women, women, <sighs> modifying their DNA to hers in order to experiment with the vial. And wasn't that the story with Bruce, where he he ended up in the um, the court? Uh, yeah, trial, he's on trial. Yeah, right. It was, it was, it was That's what Twelve Angry Men, starring Batman. Yes, right. And says in the end, it worked, and his wife came back. She uh, soon took up the name of Mrs. Freeze. Yeah, it didn't surprise me when we saw her. I was like, oh yeah, I'd forgotten she was up and around though, but it didn't surprise me. Right, Detective Ten Fourteen. Yeah, is where that happened. That was Tomasi. So, so we probably didn't read the actual yeah, issue, but it? I remember hearing it because it didn't. Yeah, because when I saw her, I was right. like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about this," but I didn't. It didn't shock me. I wasn't like, "Whoa, Nora Freeze is up and around." Right. Like it wasn't that. So, I, I knew it was something that it it happened. But yeah, okay, it was in Detective, which obviously we all dropped mm-hmm. uh, after that. Right. That first arc kind of fumbled and died. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to read Detective actually when it's out in a week or two, whatever it is. Um. So, yeah. I mean, what, what did you feel about that Scripter story? It's okay. Again, it's a it's a lot on the voice of Rosenberg. Um, I'm gonna check out the next one. So you know, I but I'm not like Cole Cash is. It's almost the opposite of of Yara Floor. Where I'm like, yeah, give me all the <laughs> Yara Floor I can get. Uh, Crifter, I'm kind of like, okay, Crifter. Almost well, this could have been a almost a Deathstroke story too. You know, um, it'd be a very different voice. We'll, we'll but yeah, but it could, could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I mean is, it's it's very similar to that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to keep checking it out, though. They, well, they have me on, on this book that I didn't want to read, but by the strength of the stories... Yeah, well, I mean, here's, uh, here's the thing, you know, we, we have, like, a legitimately surprisingly good story with Red Hood. We have this, which I think is also very solid, and because the voice is so strong, it's got the interesting murder mystery angle, and it's filling out more kind of Gotham-y stuff, because it does still involve Batman a little bit, still involving Nightwing, apparently, by the end, a, a little touch. You know, Oracle's popping up in some of the stories being, you know, the the, the voice and, and help over the over the comms. Um and you got the middle stories. I'll, I'll, you know, I, I it's, it's it's really easy to be like, no, I'm gonna keep reading this because it's at the Wait. end of an anthology where I'm already sold. It's, if not if if not and one of them being really good, so I'm gonna have it anyway, but the idea that collectively they're worth reading because they're together. Um I don't think anything in this this first issue was a dud. Uh, maybe you weren't necessarily in love with everything, but I don't think anything was like no. a, a detractor to it. No. Uh, what were you What were you rating this issue or this story? Oh, this yes. story. Uh, I'm gonna give this story an. Uh, I didn't like the art. The art was pretty good. I'll give this a seven point five, <laughs> eight. I'll give it give an eight. eight. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm gonna give it the. I, I think the the voice that. Yeah. Uh, that Rosenberg has here. I think it's actually kind of funny that this book starts with Zarsky and ends with Rosenberg because there were two two writers that I kind of discovered in Marvel uh, that are now doing mm-hmm. DC work in some capacity. Um, yeah. But I I did uh, appreciate that. If I think I, I don't think it was maybe it was in a punchline, but someone mentioned Snyder University. Uh, I think it was punchline. Yeah. I, just, I was like, oh man, is that maybe a bit too soon to have Snyder be one of the names that we use for stuff? Yeah. Well, but. 
As long as it's Scott, not the other one. <laughs> Next week, Matt. Next week. <laughs> Prepare yeah. yourself. Prepare yourself. This is one of the times I envy Connor, because I'll have to be sober. Yes. Uh, gotta give that an eight. Anyway, so, uh, Book as a Whole, Urban Legends, I mean, I would say it was a fairly successful first issue. Uh, proof of concept yeah. of, like, hey, here's a collection of Gotham-related things going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose technically the Outsider story was, was taking place nowhere near Gotham. It was in Japan, but... Uh, yeah, but they're, I mean, they're, they're all Gotham-centric, you know. No. Sure. Close enough, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, Jefferson isn't really... Katana, I wouldn't say is really. Metamorpho, I wouldn't say is really. <laughs> well, in fact, I would say that none of them. I mean, if, if Cass was there, or if Duke was there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, close enough. <laughs> uh, so what are we giving the, the, the book as a whole then? I'll give the full book a 7.5. There's too much math, so I'm just going to go with all sure. Um, Let me see. I think I overall have to go. I have to go with an eight overall. I I think ultimately that first story was really good, and then everything else didn't really detract from it. Uh, if what if not was yeah. you know enjoyable. Uh, this Grifter story yeah. being kind of the second one in terms of quality, and then yeah. the, the two middle stories being solid enough. So yeah, doing the math, if I remembered what I gave all the ratings to, it ends up averaging at seven point seven five. 7.5 is close enough. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about the math. It's not about math, Matt. It's not about math. Yes, I know, but I, you know, I feel I have to be honest if we're doing these ratings. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Rorschach, issue six. Tom King writing Jorge Fornes on the art. Obviously, we've been big fans of this book as it's been coming out. Mm-hmm. And this issue is more on how, you know, the kid and the old man, mm-hmm. uh, the, how their relationship formed. Uh, someone unknown to us, uh, delivers a package to the hotel where our main character mm-hmm. is staying, and it's uh, basically all the letters that these two characters wrote to each other. Uh, you know, Will and uh, I've forgotten her, you know, her actual name. Oh, shoot. Laura. Uh, Laura. Laura? Yeah. It, it's only yeah. Sa- it only says Dear Laura like eight times in this issue. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, so the structure of this issue is really quite straightforward because it'll be a letter from her to him then a letter from him to her, and then there's like three or four like interludes where it cuts to our main character in the hotel, a getting the letters and then starting to investigate. Okay, who actually dropped these off? Who had these? Like, how did they get a hold of them? Uh, which leads to the big cliffhanger at the end of the book. And while he's doing that on TV or the radio in the background, in all of his scenes, the uh, presidential debate between uh, yeah, Turley, Turley. Yeah, um, is going on. So. Um, it's you know it's, it's seeped in all of the stuff that it's been building up, but the the core of the issue is these letters going back and forth between the characters. Mm-hmm. And at first, they're, they're fairly straightforward. At first, she's like, you know, I'm a fan of your work. It's connected to me. He's like, oh, it's always happy to hear. He's especially pleased that she's writing about not the main big po- not not he smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah. She, you yeah. know, she's 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 yeah. writing about the the hit B side <laughs> that no one else talks about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, which is very similar to to Rorschach when we see the character show up yeah yeah because it's the citizen and the unthinker and the idea is that the Mm -hmm. citizen is the the one who takes an interest in everything that's going on uh, and that's kind of like what her father was like and then the unthinker which kind of represents will's father the old man's father because he was someone who would rather shut the window and ignore the streams in the alleyway which is literally the example we get later on 
Right. And so there are these opposing forces that end up having similarities because because of their upbringing, they end up doing the opposite. And I'm not quite her because she's more proactive. She does the opposite of what her dad wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but he he goes and he wants to be more involved. And it's almost like, you know, he created the pirate character as a version of himself that got to be more proactive in that, you know, he was from this. Uh, he says in, in one of the, the letters, he, he came from a place of evil, but he was always good. And that's what he related yeah, to. Yeah, but then he, you know, but because, he goes to resent it because it, it becomes this symbol of like him not actually doing anything. Right. You know, especially right. when he starts seeing it on like, you know, backpacks and lunch, but it's just a commercial mm-hmm. thing at a certain point, which the constant reminder of, of his, you yeah, know, has what he, him not what he says, it. you know, seizes his own failures now and, and that's why he like gravitates towards the citizen and the unthinker as characters that are more representative mm-hmm. of something that he wants to be. And it kind of over the course of these letters sets up how they connect. And we you know, we spoken mm-hmm. not the last issue, but the issue before about her looking for kind of the next Rorschach in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like I kind of take some of these letters at face value. She seems kind of genuine in her sort of descriptions of of who she yeah. is, and it doesn't feel like she's just trying to manipulate him in any way. No, not at all. They don't see it because it feels like when she initially reached out, she struck a nerve, and then that's what he wrote back, and they would get more in-depth as they went on with, with their own histories yeah. and how they can relate to each other. And they're almost, uh, like again, they're like a yin and a yang, right? They're two halves that equal a whole, uh, and they complement each other really well, uh, which, you know, which leads to whatever happened with them and, and the Turley I, I, I do think, know, assassination attempt. I do think there's an irony here that the unthinker is the one that looks kind of like Rorschach, but without the Rorschach mask, mm-hmm. uh, is the mm-hmm. unthinker. I think that's kind of an interesting, like, irony, right? Is, is that? Because I thought that was is the that, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that is the citizen. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not too sure, but it does look like, it looks like the question. Do, 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 do you know what I know? appreciate about it? Is that I appreciate that as he's talking about why he likes these characters and you know why he gravitates towards them over the the Pontius Pirate, is that we've never really heard much about these characters. They've probably been mentioned briefly in this book before, but not to any great extent. Yeah, and I kind of love that yeah. just from the context of how he talks about them, like I kind of get the point of them and kind of the almost the satire they had in his creations. Yeah. It was it's kind of like really well done in how it gets across that information. Yeah. Well- and and on the middle level where they talk about like the citizen who it represents that person that wants to do more, right? It's the the opposite of the of how his dad was, right? He was the one that would go in there and make a change, versus the and what did they say about the unthinker? To where because she says she related to that, you know, that's on the first page. Yeah, because for her it was a lot about that she was kind of just fulfilling her dad's like desires mm-hmm. for her, rather than getting right. to be what she wanted herself. Um, right. She almost desired uh, mm-hmm. wanting to like kind of like shut off and not like be a that's, part of it. You know? That's what it was. Because um, right. one, one of the big letters, of course, is when she describes a dream that she had, like a waking dream where she mm-hmm. dreams that she's in a church, which she's never been in. She's only seen them on TV. Right. But she's there with the uh, the citizen. And you're right, the citizen is the one that looks kind of like Rorschach. Um, okay, that, that's what I But thought. she sees a Rorschach mask on the on the bench, mm-hmm. um, and something about it made her happy, truly happy. And it, 
And maybe this is a kind of a manipulation moment here. This like almost planting the seed of like the unthink or the citizen becoming Rorschach mm-hmm. and Rorschach being what the citizen is ultimately meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, ultimately these letters for him, uh, especially when he gets to his like backstory, talking about how he would you know read stories. He'd read Frankenstein, uh, which she goes out and reads, and she talks about how, well, she talks about how she's nineteen, which is the same age as Mary Shelley when she wrote Frankenstein. Right. But when he specifically gets to the whole thing where, you know, they, they'd hear streams like some woman was brutally murdered in their apartment right. building or just outside their apartment building, and they actually heard the streams, but the, his father went up and shut the window and said, no, that's the, that's the city's problem. Society's... That, that's none of our do you know what? Actually, there's a, there's a moment here, there's a line that doesn't quite say we live in a society, but it kind of like talks around the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Where right. that's kind of what his father's idea was is no, that's society's mm-hmm. thing. Society forms this, society does this. Um right. uh, so then when he later uses that and talks about how, you know, we are formed by society, it, it it does almost feel like it's a good version of what like people use for the Joker movie in a weird way. Like how we're how we're developing his oh. character into turning into what he becomes, which is this you know, attempted assassin uh on the presidential candidate. Right. You know, it, right, it's interesting. Right, right. Well, well, and the idea that society creates things, right? So, like, they're talking about the waking dream and that it came to Mary Shelley, uh, that the whole idea, you know, the short story that became Frankenstein, uh, which is also called the modern Prometheus. And, you know, basically that that in trying to defeat death, right, he only created more death and, and destruction. It created this kind of cycle. Um, and, you know, what what here is that creation for for both of them you know for the kid and for uh myerson the writer like which of their creations is going to create more problem uh you know going forward here is it that they try to assassinate Turley? is it just her idea that the spirit of rorschach lives in these random people right or like the, the whole idea of the squids you know can come back and attack and whatnot it was just that beeline once you get or that that through line once you get th- to that i think here. another thing you mentioned about the frankenstein uh com- you know referencing that's been made here is that mm-hmm. frankenstein itself is about someone who creates something that turns into be a monster although n- notably right. a sympathetic monster who isn't necessarily to blame right. for what they are right. um so i think that thematically ties into everything going on here where you know if, if they are created you know, if she's created by her father if he's created by his father mm-hmm. They're not entirely to right. blame for what they've become necessarily. It's especially when you can. However, you know. they have agency. Oh, they do. So, yes. Like, if I don't, did you ever read the original Frankenstein? I have done actually. Yeah. In school. Yeah, yeah. So you you find out that in in that version, it's not just this you know the Boris Karloff monster, right? It actually can can talk and has a name and like, you know, has agency of itself that you can't just blame the creator on. You know, he still makes those choices. And so that's here are the, the parallels that are being drawn between all of them. Like, yeah, they were created, but they still chose to do this, you know, uh, the, and I think that's that's there. Um, yeah. Uh, and here, I mean, a big thing about the Frankenstein creation is that not only I mean, it makes choices, but it was also never taught right from wrong. You know, even its own creator kind right. of shied away from it. You know, his responsibilities right. as, as a father, essentially. And this story right. here has both of these characters, yeah. both like learning the wrong mistakes and also trying to rebel against what mm-hmm. their father wanted them to be. Like that's a driving force right. for both of them. There's that layer too. Yeah. 
so right so there. there's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot going on with that comparison uh just just the story of frankenstein itself but on top of the just the, the, right. the reference to her rating frankenstein which is the idea that she had this idea right um As a and dream. yeah and, and now you know obviously uh laura's having that this idea now too and it's, it's not explicit she doesn't specifically say hey you should become rorschach but she plants the seed yeah. of you know like because he is kind of effectively the citizen was was kind of like what mm-hmm. he wishes he was uh, and then the idea right. of you mix Rorschach onto that, uh, she's planting that seed. Oh, I, either intentionally or unintentionally, I'm not sure at this point, but it's planted. Right. Well, and just remember what he did with his neighbor, mm-hmm. right? That that whole story. Well, I think, uh, see if you, see if, I mean, I'd love to actually go back and read that issue again and yeah. try and line up the timeline here. It's like, how, how mm-hmm. far was he into these letters when he did that? Right. You know, I think that's a very interesting right. thought process. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, just King King again is killing it here with this type of stuff. And then on top of all that, you have all these layers on top of layers of the story. And then you look at the art, right? And like we always go over how like how great Forness is. But here there's two two panels and they they're kind of opposite. The one that gets me is the full page of her, like at the edge of that pool, right? In the sun. Mm-hmm. And it's all it's all yellow and she's sitting there. Um and then contrasting that is where he starts talking about his visions when he was reading as a kid and getting lost in books and Frankenstein's monsters there, like in front of him. Um, it's just, it's a small panel where that happens where he can visualize what these ideas are, you know? And it's like, is she doing the same thing there? We just don't see what exactly she's visualizing. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, hell, even, I mean, technically that page is right before he visualizes Frankenstein is the page where she has the, the daydream. So I, I think maybe, right. you know, it is showing that they both right. are visualizing things in a certain way. If I, something right. you said there made me, uh, reminded me, um, earlier on, I think it's the second letter, but it's the two full page spreads where she's sitting at the edge of an empty pool for her that's yeah that's the for one. her letter yeah and then his is when he's, he's back to us uh, and it's like a full page spread of him walking down the street i do think it's I mean, it's, it's really simple but the idea that she's young so her life's ahead of us so she's facing us but in his page because he's old and he's you know nearing the end of his days that his life's right. behind him so he's backs to us like again it's simple little things like that mm-hmm. just some thoughts yeah. went into it it's really neat uh there's a page later on where during one of the letters she tells she doesn't actually say what she did specifically but she you know right. she she killed someone who you know this this man was beating up his wife or something like that in, in, a, right. in a motel or whatever and it's just it's all in silhouette you just see the only thing right. you see is her eyes uh and the mm-hmm. complete silhouette and the blood of the of the headshot when the, the gun actually goes mm-hmm. off but it's you know wonderful stuff but th- th- then it turns into the the pirate comic right that you know the, the very next page mm-hmm. is more silhouette but the silhouette for him is the pirate comic he's never actually acted right. on the things he's wanted to do he's only drawn about it right. in the comic so i think that's a really interesting if you go with this so if you go with the idea that he is inspired by her youth and her willingness to actually act on what she's doing and that's what's given him mm-hmm. like energy and it's ma- ma- inspiring him i think comparing her actual act of like you know in her eyes heroic violence to what he drew mm-hmm. as heroic violence and with a similar art style is a really nuanced touch uh, between them to like them. Well, there's that, and I and I just now realized that the the panel layouts mm-hmm. are the exact oh, same. Oh, they are, yeah, yeah. Well, they're, actually... They're, they're not mirrored, but it's, you know, three across the top, and they're all the same proportion, four in the middle, two. And it's like that every time 
the, the letters. Uh, that they mimic each yeah. other. No, they are mirrored. Uh, I'm looking at them. It's, it's, yeah. it's like they're flipped, because you'll notice yeah. that on the... So, so the page with her silhouettes, like at the bottom, Lord, the, the thick panel's on, yeah. the, on the right, but then you go to the, his page, it's switched mm-hmm. and it's on the left. So it's, it is actually like a mirrored image. So yeah. I read this digitally. I assume the physical book, they were side by side. I, I'd have to look, because I read that this yeah. morning, and I got really lost up in the story that I just now realized... Yeah that they were doing this. Yeah. So I'm going to have to it, go back and grab the physical. And again, the, the, and the blood is red, you know, unlike the silhouette of everything yep. else. So I get Yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I love that, that touch that this is actually something she's really done, but for him, this was just something he drew mm-hmm. about. So that inspiration, uh, and you know, then she right. says she tried to kill herself, but she didn't. She thought of writing to him instead. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how when he was miserable and he couldn't draw what he wanted when he was like working in a like a drawing shop and he's like, I'm I'm leaving all the detective stuff to the end. I'm just focusing on uh the, yeah, those no, two. yeah 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 no I'm yeah. just but no I can't believe I didn't realize that this does the the mirroring yeah. until right now. Like it's again, Ornas and King, like just working together so well. You and know, it's it's that thing. So like, so yeah, so you have the page of her driving off in the full page with her letter and then the page of mm-hmm. him staring at his wall from behind but right. what I love of all of his creations yeah with all his creations but it's mostly Pontius Pirate right I mean there is a citizen a couple of things right. in there but it's a lot of Pontius Pirate mm-hmm. I love the idea that he's staring at that as he's writing to her come and see me I would like to find the monster I mean that, that line right there I would like to find the monster yep. the idea that you know Dr. Frankenstein found his monster uh, Mary Shelley found her monster mm-hmm. he would like to find right. the monster with her together uh, and actually do something about it um, so there's a sense of longing, a sense of of needing to feel like you're accomplishing something, and maybe that's part of the things that makes someone feel extreme because they need to feel like they've got a purpose and feel like that they've got a purpose in a, a grander scale like that, uh, in a political right. sense or whatever, makes them feel like they are doing something important. It makes them feel better about their lives. Uh, so right. I, 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 there's, there's layers. There's layers here. <laughs> so much going on. Layers on top of layers. It's so good. Like again, this is a perfect like. <sighs> I don't say perfect, perfect, but like it is a a great sequel to Watchmen, while not trying to be right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, man. So I just I looked up the Unthinker and the Citizen, and this was early on. This is an issue two, where kind of the Unthinker could become anybody. Um, and and the Citizen, it was a, the Citizen's main. You know, they were rivals. Or arch nemesis or whatever it was, but uh, yeah, because I was like I was trying to remember what the Unthinker looked like, um, and I feel like we knew, the, you know, that the citizen was the question kind of uh, before, but it didn't land until yeah. here when we saw. Well, him more if you so, go with the mirroring yeah. thing when they actually get to meet each other. Obviously, it's intercutting with the other story, which we'll get mm-hmm. to in a minute. But um, when right. she's like at the door waiting for an answer, and then he opens the door, mm-hmm. they're on opposite sides of the page. So you know, yeah. it mirrors even on the same page. And then until they actually see each other, yeah. and then of course they're one panel at the end when they hug. Um, so beautifully mm-hmm. laid out, and obviously that intercuts with the detective going to the the apparent the apparent home of whoever's left on these letters. But there is a, obviously an investigation throughout <laughs> the book. Uh, he asks the he braves the the guy at the security desk to let him see the security cameras to see who left these letters. He goes and finds out, you know, where the valet parking was, what the guy's license plate is. He calls someone in, like, no, I need to know tonight, like, whose license plate is this? And it's all just him trying to get to whoever left these letters. And the cliffhanger at the end of the issue, as he's getting into this this apartment, 
is whoever this is is dressed as Rorschach and they're sitting watching this presidential debate, which again, we have been hearing this debate play. Mm -hmm. Every time we cut back to the detective, we've been hearing this debate play out uh, throughout, um, you know, Mm -hmm. talking about a conservative revolution that, you know, Redford served four terms, 16 years, his time is up, um, Mm -hmm. all, all that stuff. Um, I feel like there's probably so much political subtext to read into with all that dialogue that I, I can't even begin to scratch the no, there surface is, it, of. No, but it feels like typical American politics where they're calling each other out in the debate mm-hmm. for these things and then they're smoothing over, oh no, what he's really meaning is this. And it, it's all, it feels very, you know, like King <laughs> almost could have pulled it straight from the debates this time and just, you know, swapped out certain terms. For, for things that fit here so um but yeah now now i'm gonna have to go back and read all the i'm gonna have to find some more time uh and go back and read through these and like you said line them up with with stuff because all the in thinker and and citizen stuff happened in chapter two which is also the one about the yeah. apartment and the neighbors I, so, I think this is going to reread wonderfully because there's going to be so many things that we uh-huh. spot on on rereads with more more context yeah. and uh, which by the way that's the other thing we have to mention he's got a a cassette tape uh, mm-hmm. which the name Frank Miller <laughs> is mentioned like several times I don't think and Otto Bender yeah. yeah, don't, don't think that didn't yeah. uh, stick out to me <laughs> yeah 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 oh dear um yeah there's frank miller getting getting name dropped in there uh neat um no i this book well it's one of those things where every time i read an issue as well i don't realize how much it's doing until i i get to the end or until i stop down and actually start talking about what it's achieving with Mm -hmm. its storytelling um and i think this issue uh is up there uh again it definitely well, I, I came into this one going like, I don't know if it was that, you know, like it, it was their correspondence back and forth. But then as you start breaking it down, yeah, cause I th- I th- you start to realize all the layers. Because, yeah, first, I think for the first half of the issue, the letters back and forth, I didn't find that exciting. Mm-hmm. I know that's just like a weird thing to say. No. But they weren't really saying yeah. much that felt surprising or revealing anything about them. But the more it went mm-hmm. and the more it built its story... Uh, it it started to build a picture, and when it did start getting to them, like opening up, I was like, "Oh no!" I appreciate that it took the time to get to this point. I, I'm I'm happy that it didn't just skip to this because, right, it gave us this natural progression and understanding of how the relationship developed. Uh, so, no, I love it, and like just getting the context of like you know him opening the envelope with all the letters as we, as we've just started reading them, and we have this mm-hmm. context for where you know what they are, how he got them. That Tom King guy can really write. He really can. Like, right? Like, we we give him grief over other things, but, like, when it's not, like, a continuity I mean, kind of defining type thing, yeah. I think he's at the peak of his... Just give him minis know. till this is, time. I mean, that's, he's done a Supergirl yeah. mini in a couple of months. I do. It's it's the background on my phone for the last week and a half, like since we got that image. So like, you know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, this is wonderful. Um, I, I like picking what I like more out of Rorschach, Mister Miracle, and uh, Strange Adventures when they're all done is going to be really yeah. tough because they're all excelling yeah. in wonderful ways that are are very different. Um, yep. 
but I, I feel like, I mean, I don't collect physical books ever, but I feel like, you know, some people out there, unless you, obviously some people just won't like his work and that's fair, but like some people out there yeah. are going to have just that collection of deluxe 12 issue hardcovers of all of his books. And yeah. they, he just keeps adding to them. Like, you know, after Mr. Miracle was like, okay, that felt like a once in a lifetime, like quality book. That was like his, his spectacle. And then Strange Adventures and then Rorschach overlapping it. Like, it's like these two both feel up to that par. They both feel up to that quality. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do two at one time. Uh, and then I'm going to give Supergirl a sword. <laughs> Like, all right. I mean, strange if do whatever you want. Strange sir. adventures might be done by Supergirl starting, or maybe just slightly overlap. Because yeah. that's that's much later in this run. That may that may be done soon. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What are we on? We are on issue eight, eight or 12? nine. Yeah, something in that range. Yeah, because it was yeah. So so that'll just be finishing probably Supergirl starting. But um, it makes me excited, you know. And clearly, I think his books sell well enough because I, I feel like they always do pretty solid. So, mm. I, yeah. Um, DC keep giving them like you know. 8, 10, 12 issue minis and let them just go nuts and for the most part keep it out of continuity it's fine <laughs> Yeah. Uh, although I think Supergirl technically is in continuity but it, you know whatever so it's out in space well, that, that's you know. fine Yeah. That's as long fine. as she doesn't end up we, killing we, everyone by the end of the miniseries no. I think we're fine we uh we like when when uh Kara goes into space yes so it's fine but yeah so what, what are we rating this one uh that's a good question. Uh, I mean, we didn't mention the art too much on the silhouettes, but obviously the art is, you know. Yeah, it's four yeah. Like it's, it's always good. I mean, there's that page like with with the uh, inspectors uh, driving to the the house towards the end, and it does that thing where it's it's like the camera, you know. Again, quotation, you know, air quotes, but it's like the camera is on the outside of the the windshield, so you get the reflection of the the lights, mm-hmm. the night lights, uh, on the window. Yeah. Oh, it's you know just. The atmosphere uh, and using things like yes. silhouettes to tie two scenes together uh, is 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 so good. Um, yeah, layouts, like obviously the mirroring thing, everything about it, just mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, what are you in the man? I'm gonna give this a nine. I, yeah, it's, it's I came in, it was maybe like an eight, but the more that we, you know, dissect it, I have, I kept getting bumped up, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go over the 9 out of 10 as well. Uh, I was even tempted to go at 9.5, but I'll start with the 9. I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'll keep yes. things in check just now. Uh, so there you go. That is Rorschach issue 6. We're only halfway through. <laughs> an all six issues on this. So, um, you remember there was that issue of Watchmen that, uh, where it was like a mirror, where it was, um, symmetrical? I think, in fact, it was called Fearful Symmetry. Uh, do we remember what issue that was? Oh, I don't. I remember it being one of the issues. I don't remember what issue it is, though. Okay, let me see. Because if it's six, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> I mean, it could have been. But it was called Fearful Symmetry, right? That sounds right. I mean, it makes sense, given the title. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't say what issue. If you just look at... Uh... Like the preview pages on Comicsology for that issue, for issue six, you, I mean, it should be obvious, right? Yeah, no, I'm. I just I googled uh, fearful symmetry and was like, this says chapter five. So issue five, off okay. by one. Well, hey, if but, it wasn't right for this story shoot. to have an issue five, then I'm. I'm right. It doesn't need to shoehorn it in to for the reference. No, I, I think no. I'm happy with that. But if this is, this is halfway through, right? Yeah. 
So this is where the mirror happens. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. So yeah, I am shoot. All right. Yeah, wonderful stuff. So mm-hmm. that'll wrap up the books, which will take us on to the section of the show where you pick your favorite stuff of the week, their favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books, of course. So yes, let's uh, again to this, Matt. What is your panel slash moment? Oh man, this is tough because this this week was full of them. Um, I think I'll go from Superman, and it's uh, it's that page where uh, where's it at? I'm get I'm getting there. Um, I it's it's gonna be the page where uh, uh, John goes to his dad and tells him like you know he can't he he can't tell him what's gonna happen, but he knows what's gonna happen. It just that one really hit me. Yeah. Um for me, I think this is tough because I there's definitely a few things in Rorschach that it it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh because there's wonderful moments in that that book. The, the 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 way everything builds and intersects at the end is wonderful. The the the, the various the silhouette pages, uh him finally saying he wants her to come see him. Uh, all good mm-hmm. stuff. But I'm not picking that because I have to pick the blue hood. Ah, I, I hate it. I hate that I'm picking something from a Jason Todd story, but I need to pick the blue hood moment. It's good though. It hurts, but there it is. Yeah. The blue hood. Um which is obviously going to be the title of this episode. There you it go. It has to be. I like blue. <laughs> uh alright, best cover of the week, Matt. What are you what are you rocking? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Rorschach. I do want to do the Wonder Woman because there's Viking stuff, but the Rorschach covers constantly. I, I, I actually, I'm also going Rorschach, but I'm going with the variant, not Del Auto. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Rorschach in the rain with his uh, his weird mm-hmm. laser looking gun. <laughs> yep. Uh, it is absolutely. Is, you know, that, that's put a frame around it and put it on the wall. Good is is how that looks. The the lighting hitting his trench coat. Mm. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, that's yeah. that's my uh, pick. Uh, honestly, it was actually kind of an easy choice for me this week. I wasn't necessarily completely in love with uh that was not bad covers. Like Wonder Woman's uh, very yeah. solid, but um Yeah, Superman one two, those are the ones that you know, the wraparounds, mm-hmm. you know. But but yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh what is your art of the week? So this one's tough because all you know, the three main books that weren't anthologies, I thought the art was all strong in. But uh given what we just talked about about mm-hmm. you know the symmetry and the mirroring <laughs> i gotta give it to rorschach yeah like travis more though that was a close one uh for wonder woman because that book looks beautiful uh but yeah it's gonna be four minutes for rorschach yeah well for me it's obviously gillen march for a uh, joker so uh... yeah you're only human <laughs> no nah, it's hard it's farnes jorge farnes uh gets the gets the win there uh but there, there was a lot of good art throughout the week um uh so top five books then matt so, uh, number one, Rorschach. Uh, number two, Superman. Number three, Batman and Legends. Number four, Wonder Woman. I think. Don't hold me to that. I, I don't remember at that point. Yeah, but... for me, number one is Rorschach. Number two is, surprisingly, mm-hmm. Batman Urban Legends. I was not expecting that, mm-hmm. but um, that's where I'll put it. Uh, and then I'll put... I think I'll put... What's that's actually quite hard. Uh, 
I, I had kind of a sort of swimming in sevens kind of feel to a lot of these books yeah. this week. Uh, I am going to go with Superman, then Joker, and then Wonder Woman in last place. Oof. Yeah, that's where I'm going things. Um, yeah, yeah. But there you go. That's uh, that's my picks. All right, there you go. That's what that's what came out this week. Uh, I can tell you right now that Connor probably hated Wonder Woman because he hates mythology. We all know that about Connor. Um, <laughs> How dare you, sir? Uh, I can't stand for the slander for CR twenty one. And his his favorite story of the week was obviously the Red Hood story. In fact, he's probably delighted that we're all praising a Red Hood story for once. He's, he doesn't feel like he's alone anymore. Uh, no, not at all. I'm not afraid anymore. It's a shame that he doesn't get to read this redhead and talk about it. <laughs> he had to talk about the bad redhead forever. Uh, there is an irony to yeah that the red hood story will be read when he wasn't here is uh the mm-hmm. one that was actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amusing. All right, I'll tell everyone what's coming next week from DC Comics as this uh, Infinite Frontier journey comes, and probably the most anticipated book of the month, which is Nightwing seventy eight, the beginning of Tom Taylor's run on everyone's favorite deck. So comes back next week for yep. for Tom Taylor's deck, because that's coming next week. Uh, it's blue. <laughs> I can keep the jokes going, but we're moving on. We're moving on. Uh, we also have Justice League Fifty Nine, which is the start of the Bendis run. Which, by the way, someone's mm-hmm. making Connor read from Patreon, so that's uh, uh good news. Uh, he should be happy though because he gets to read Ram V's. Uh, that's true. Now. That's true. Um. And then Badger, poor, poor Ram on yeah. Twitter every single week. He's like a stalker. You get put on a he's list. A, yeah, he's a stalker. Uh, Catwoman twenty nine, which I'll, you know, speaking of praising Ram V, we're looking forward to that. Uh, Superman Red yeah. and Blue issue one is out next week. Um, if you're looking mm. for that, uh, Batman versus Razal Gil issue five. How long has this six issue many been going? I I tried issue one of that like a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, there was a Neil Adams Batman book my brother picked up when he was mm-hmm. here. Uh, and when we were at the comic book store, and I was like, just put that down, man. Don't, don't. I'm sure it looks cool. Just get something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Truth and Justice issue two, as well as Looney Tunes 259 to round out the week. Uh, so as far as stuff that obviously we're going to be looking at in the show, we're looking at Nightwing, we're looking at Justice League, we're looking at Catwoman. Uh, and I guess Superman Red and Blue, because it's not allowed next week. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll be checking out Red and Blue Four. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I wasn't, so. I, I didn't like that much of uh, Black and White Batman Black and White okay. issue one, but given there's only three other books next week, and even with a Patreon book, I'll probably still read Red and Blue. Yeah, well, it's quiet. And these are all normal size. Uh, I mean, Justice League has a backup. Just, but I don't think either. Just Catwoman or Nightwing. Yeah, do. Justice League has a backup. Superman Red and Blue, I think, has like a fifty-page book or something like that, but. Yeah, yeah, well, it's five bucks. Wait, how much is it? Six dollars. Go. It's yeah. six dollars, yeah. So this one has a John Ridley with uh, Clayton Henry. Okay, that should story. be good. Brandon Easton and Steve Lieber. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wes Craig, who did Deadly Class. Um... And Margaret Bennett and Jill Thompson. And then Dan Waters and the artist Danny. So we'll so... see. Mix of things. Yeah. Um... That's it. I mean, if if things get really busy for some reason next week, it, it it's, it'll be an easy one to miss. But I mean, I'll I'll read Red and Blue issue one. I don't see why not. It's a quiet yeah. week, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe do a Patreon book. I'm sure Connor will probably do it. Well, technically, Connor's doing a Patreon book anyway because he's doing yeah Justice League. But Justice League fifty nine. Yeah, fifty nine. Not quite sixty nine. Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kinda nice. <laughs> kinda nice. Uh. 
It's it's sixty nine. It's like sixty nine, but someone sitting in a chair. The oh, five boy. is someone sitting in a chair. It's it's a sixty nine at an oh, angle. Cool. <laughs> Superior leg strength. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Oh, dude. <laughs> Before it gets uh, oh, We're only just scratching the surface, Matt, and you know it. Uh, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's why, why I got to get, get hot and bothered in here. I will remind uh, everyone to go and vote on the best DC characters of all time for the special top 250, or 250, top 50 <laughs> that we're going to have next next month to celebrate our episode 250. Uh, so I'll thank this, our patrons right now uh, of Tyler Hess and the Palisades. David Short, Bored Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are Patreon producers for the month of March, uh, meaning they are $20 or more at patreon.com slash TV. But you can, of course, support us for as little as $1 per month and help keep all the content coming, including the podcast, but also all the movie podcasts and TV podcast reviews that we do on Mailfuzz TV. Um, so go and check out those if, you, if you're into If you're into horror movies, for example, go check out Screams After Midnight. If you're into science fiction movies, check out the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Uh, that I do with uh, Tim and Tara, respectively. But um, you can support us, of course, at Patreon. Um, worth mentioning at the $5 tier, perhaps the most relevant one for uh, the comic podcast fans, is you get uh, the, the show by a day early. Comics in the Multiverse, you get a day early. Uh, previously in the Multiverse, which is the sister show that me and Connor do, working through classic DC runs, uh, you get a whole month early now. Uh, and that seems to have settled into an every other week schedule. Um it was supposed to be every week, but Connor's work schedule's been all over the place, so it's been difficult to keep up <laughs> yeah. with that. But uh, so yeah, go go check that out. Obviously, it's on the same feed if you want, if you're checking out the episodes. But uh, uh, so do that. Uh, please do like, subscribe, comment. All those things are free, and they also support us in a big way too, because YouTube really cares about all those things. Um, rating the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from, give it the five stars and a review. Also helpful. Share us on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. Uh, so please do that. Um, but otherwise, that's pretty much it. That is uh, that is us. But once again, vote on the top 50 DC characters. You, yes. you don't have to put a top 50. You only need to do a top 20. But you can do a full top 50 if you want. Uh, that's a choice you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know who's not going to be in my top five. So Superman. No. Yeah. It's number one, my friend. <laughs> I was going to spoil that. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, Connor Kett. And I'm going to overinflate Guy Gardner so he gets a <gasps> damn good show. No, 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 no. There'll be no overinflation. Yes. Uh, yes. So please do uh, go and do all those things. Uh, make sure you vote. Because uh, we'll have a fun results show. We're, we're going to record this top 50 results next month as an extra bonus. Uh, and I'll, I'll probably premiere it on the YouTube. So if people want to watch it together in the chat room as the results are being revealed, mm-hmm. uh, you can have fun doing that on the MailFuzz TV channel. Uh, otherwise uh, it'll be on the audio feed of course after it's premiered uh, as it always would um, so because of that it probably won't be early on Patreon that one particular episode that, that extra episode but uh, uh, people should have fun doing that I will let you know when that's going to go up when the time comes but you've got all the months to vote so make sure you vote in March so thank you once again that has been us that has been Calls from the Multiverse episode 244 we always appreciate you joining us so thank you once again for watching and listening Keep reading DC Comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Next week, Dick by Taylor.